gonna hop on and hop off. I meant hop off and hop on. That was crazy. But he understood it. That always fixes that problem. So we're gonna get him to hop off and hop on, and that's gonna get his stuff back right. And we're gonna get this thing going, man. Y'all show show Jason some love, man. Special you make sure we show Jason some love because it's a lot of my people rock with Jason. Oh, that there we go. We back rocking and rolling. Am I loud and clear? Mic check one two one two. Let me all. Uh, can you hear me? Let me select some speakers. Hold on. Okay. Say something so I can hear you. Mic check one two one two. Yeah, I can hear you clear now. There we go. I'm a yeah, Keep it like that. Let's turn the mic over to Jason. They're giving you a lot of love in the uh, chat room. You, you can go ahead and introduce yourself, and we'll get right into it. Thank you for being here once again. Thank you so much. All right, uh, for those, I mean, I got a lot. I see a lot of old people in the chat, and uh, I've been in your chat. I've been, I've been poking around, checking things out, listening, listening to the. You got a lot. You got a lot of uh, high participation. People really love you, man, and uh. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm not new to the research scene, as my own followers know. I'm new to the YouTube scene. I just started like three years ago, three and a half years ago, but actually I've been in publishing since 2006. Mm. Uh, I, did, I never did videos. I was just publishing books, all my research. And as, as most people know, I, I was, I'm a convicted felon from 17 years old. And I have a pretty extensive criminal history from a teenager and it got me a lot in trouble. But I turned that, like spiritual alchemy, I just turned that into something else. And while I was in prison, I just self-educated myself. I spent 26 years reading books, data mining, collecting data, bouncing ideas off the old convicts that knew more than I did, men that had read books their entire life and understood that most of the history that we've been given is absolute bullshit. And uh, I talked to these guys, and, and they passed down their books to me. And you know, prison prison is a library. Everybody has books. Books are always in flu. Books are always moving back and forth. And uh, there's always old basements and older prisons. And, and that was my job one time. One time I had an awesome job. You, you've heard the story of Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, I had, I actually had the job of cleaning out the basement level of the old Bonnie and Clyde prison area, East Ham. Mm. Uh, in East Ham. And uh, I got to open up all these old crates, wooden crates that had boxes from the old library because when they built the new East Ham prison, they got donations from old high schools to fill the library. So the prison administrators never, never, never bothered to do anything with the old books. Thank you. And they, they never bothered to do anything with the old books and they're just sitting in crates for years and Jason got to go through them and cherry pick what he wanted to read. And I got hundreds of books from the 1800s all the way up to about 1921. I, I think the, the 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 most recent book in that entire collection was like 1921, and uh, I had uh, I had submitted papers and and manuscripts to different publishers, and I finally got one while I was still in prison. And uh, what got me published, uh, bro, what got me published was my bibliographies. Uh, I'm very I'm very careful to cite chapter and verse, author, date of publication, publisher, everything from where I get my material and my data. And basically, I, I'm just the average guy that has a, a very unaverage life. My life has been very different from a lot of people. But, but in all things, I'm still just a good old boy. And I, I have, I'm no different than anybody else. I just, 
Uh, I just process information differently, and I'm able to I'm able to give that information in, in back um, in its lowest common denominator, so people can see what I see without having to do all the extensive research that I've done. Mm. That is awesome, and I just want to say that it's an inspirational story. Many people probably didn't know that, you know, but you are a very down to earth average guy. It felt like I've already met you or talked to you before in a strange way. Um, and I just want to say that we welcome your research, your energy. You have a very inspirational uh, back backdrop, you know. A lot of guys that go to the prison, they end up going like the religious routes and stuff, but it's it's kind of, it's interesting to see how, how archaics come about in your whole journey and everything. And I know my people can't wait for me to get on that, right? Because when I said Jason was coming on, a lot of my people say, oh, you're getting archaics on? They call you archaics. <laughs> you know, they say, you know, archaics. You, you, it says that archaics is the advanced research of chronological history of artificial intelligence. You break that down a little bit for us. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It wasn't my conclusion until in the last three years or so. It's a... Uh... It's just the more we document history, the more we find patterns and parallels and we find cross calendrical parallels that defy coincidence, such as the same the same historical episodes unfolding in the same years in different calendars and different cultures. It shouldn't be this way. It's a uh, I, I can give you a, a real good example of one that that uh, of a cross calendrical parallel, such as uh, there was a reset in Babylon in 1899 B.C. during the reign of Queen Semiramis and. Uh, Amar Udaak was on the throne. The Jews called him Nimrod, but he had many mm -hmm. names. The, Ak the Akkadian name was Merodach, and uh, the Babylonians called him Marduk, his throne name. But uh, in the Book of Jasher and in the biblical material, in the, in the, in, uh, he is called Nimrod. It's all the same individual, but he was overshadowed by his mother, who was the regent, Queen Semiramis. And at this time, there was something unusual happened in the sky during a construction project called the Tower of Babel. And... Uh, lightning blast, which is a flux tube, like plasma discharge, it completely disrupted the project, melted, vitrified the buildings, killed a third of the workers. Uh, people were terrified, moved around, earthquakes happened, sky darkened, and they decided to quit the project. And people scattered around, and a lot of people tried to stay away from Babylon. Babylon is the original name of Babylon, and it means the gate of God. So. Uh, this recent is very unusual, but this happened, this, ma this mass destruction happened, and there was a scattering of the people in the year 1899 B.C., which is dated by biblical chronologist Stephen Jones in his book, The Secrets of Time, and confirmed by many other chronologists, and confirmed by me as well from totally different vantage points. But 1899 is very interesting because that's B.C., that's ancient times, that's 4,000 years ago, but 1899 A.D., was the exact year Babylon was found and excavated by a German, German archaeology team. And I've documented hundreds of these. This is a cross-calendrical parallel where an event unfolds in the exact same year that is, that, that is very relative or is a direct reflection of an event that happened in the same year but in a totally different calendar. So uh, I've got a lot of these examples in my published books and all that, but... This is, this is where my research led me. It led me to conclude that this is not normal. And 
after the after the discovery of hundreds of these cross cylindrical parallels, then I started finding these isometric projections, and I call them that because space time structuring seems to be some type of architecture where pi and phi and curvature and these physics these physics constants govern over the construct, and they govern over the collective but they don't seem to have any power over the individual. And I find that very interesting. And the more I study history and do it through the lens of mathematics, and the more I show these examples on my channel and in my published books of these astonishing patterns that unfold in all these historical events, the more I see cycles within epicycles and that this can't be so. In a naturally occurring uh series of events involving multiple players, multiple scenarios, multiple geographical locations, multiple coordinates, there is no way that this mathematical precision can be true unless we are living within some type of programmed illusion, some type of construct. And this is the... Uh... Hold on, let me get my dog out of here. Okay. Oh man, guys. Hey, guys, if you're watching this, you already see what it is, man. Get the likes up. It's getting deep already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all know this is what this is my drug here, this kind of information. Keep oh go right ahead, Jason, when in, and I'll interject with a question whenever you, you know, uh take your pause or whatever. We sub we're absorbing it all. Alrighty. Oh hey, I like that poster though, dropping bombs on them. That's a good oh, one. Oh yeah, Becky gonna drop a lot of them for you today. I can I can already feel it. <laughs> Salute, let's drop one now. I like those uh those World War II vintage posters. Those are excellent. So, anyway, it's not these type this type of research. Uh, initially for years, all I did was data mine and I assessed the information. I collected it, drew hundreds of charts, bro. I got I've got at least. 370 charts on my channel showing all these complex mathematical deals and simplifying for people to see that we live in a controlled construct. We live in some type of environment where the holography is controlled and yet on an individual level we have great we have great power to be where we want to be to to define our own coordinates where who we want to be within within the confines of the construct outside of the collective because the collective is they're, they're suffering dungeon programming they can't see like we do they can't they're 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 subject to negative default programming they look at us like we're aliens they have no idea what what it means to be awake they believe abc nbc cbs bbc and all uh, cnn they believe basically all the collective routines these people are vacuous intellectually dead and cannot think for themselves they act like sheep and therefore the powers that be control them as they are sheep and make them feel that they are free when they are not. The highly individualized soul like you and I and many of the people listening to my voice right now, we are immortals passing through a beautiful construct that allows us to experience, to grow, to acquire all, all these uh, lessons, to do things in a controlled environment like the holosphere that does not cross-contaminate the outside real universe. All this evil, all this violence and all that, this is the this is within within the holosphere. This is here. It's not on the outside of the constructs. We come in we come in here to experience these things because it's the only way an immortal can grow. If mortals cannot grow in a static environment where there's where there is nothing, there's no fear of death, no fear of failure, there's no fear of, of pain. Uh, there's no fear of loss, but in the construct, 
We have designed, and I believe this, bro. bro this is this is this is my a fundamental tenet of my teachings. I believe that we humans are the architects of this construct, and on the outside, we have agreed to come in to experience these things because it, all from the perspective of living on the outside of the construct, we know everything that we suffer on the inside is an illusion, and when we pass through it. We acquire all these lessons. We learn all these things. We're able to tell stories to those on the outside of the construct who have not yet volunteered for this experience. Mm -hmm. Blowing their minds. They have no idea what it's like to get bit by a shark. They have no idea what it's like to be in the Viking shield wall fighting the Saxons, man, with nothing but spears and axes and shields. They have no idea what it's like to be on a Sumerian battlefield and your enemy has technologically advanced weapons while you got a sword in your hand. They have no idea what it's like to, to, to be on a ship in the 17th century chasing pirates who are shooting back at you from, from an English frigate. They don't know these things, so they hear the stories well, once we make our passing and we, and we exit, which we call death. And it doesn't matter how we die. There's no difference between a natural death, a murder, old age, dying by disease, even suicide is the same. It's still an exit from the construct. And once we make that exit, there's no telling how long we stay out before we volunteer again and we come right back in and live another life sim. And I honestly believe, because I've met people in my life that I've, that I've had an affinity for, for no external reason. And I, ha I have to process that and think that maybe I knew this individual before. Because what I'm looking at right now, bro, you are an avatar. You are, I'm just looking at your avatar, man. That's all it is, is an avatar. That is the role you chose to play. But the real individual inside you, the immortal within, that's probably somebody I know on the outside of the construct. And one day we're probably going to laugh when we think back to the day that you and I were on something called YouTube talking to a bunch of people. This is, this is an experience, and it's an experience that we created. And this is why we can explain away things like Mandela Effect and synchronicity and deja vu and coincidence. All these things come to us, and they, and they, they make sense of the construct only when you realize that we're in an artificial reality. And that means it's subject to error. They're going, there's going to be glitches. There's going to be times when information can't be processed faster than an individual's central nervous system can see, see something, and then it's not there. We lose our keys only to find them in the exact spot we always leave them and that we searched and looked for two times earlier and they weren't there. These little glitches happen because this is a construct. It's not, it's not anything nefarious. It's not any, none of that. And, and because it's a construct, this, this body that you see as Jason is nothing but the avatar that I chose for this experience. Because on my channel, I have said it over and over and over that I believe that I've been Etruscan. I believe that I have been Roman. I believe that I have been uh, Achaean, ancient Greek. I've been Egyptian. I have been black from sub-Saharan Africa. I have been every single race and every single culture. And I've lived in multiple different time periods because... The oversoul is all about equity. And, it, and if the oversoul is going to have immortals develop to the point where they can become gods as well, then the oversoul has to make sure that each individual can, can process information and experience imagination, intuition, and empathy from multiple different perspectives. Because if you're born into an avatar that's always privileged, there's no room for growth. And if you're born into an avatar that's suppressed, 
then that avatar misses out on many of the lessons lessons that those learn who are not oppressed. This multiple vantage point point uh, is the reason why we have so many affinities for for others. It is the reason why, like white people have, some white people have this real strong drive to go to Africa to try to try to save people, and there are some, and there and there are some people who have this drive to go to Asia and do do kinds of Christian ministry in Southeast Asia, and there are some people that have this drive to go to uh, Micronesia, Melanesia, or Polynesia and go out there in the middle of the Pacific and 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 live with those people and learn their ways, and, and there's other people that have this drive to go into the interior of India as if the people in India, city Indian style, are more wiser than anybody else. This is this drive, this innate feeling that we have that we can gain from other races and cultures is because we have been all those races and cultures. By necessity, we have to experience every vantage point. And these are just avatars. And the construct does everything it can to polarize you. It wants you to think in terms of black and white. It wants you to think in terms of liberalism and conservatism, of, of Democrat and Republican, of globalist and nationalist. It wants you to, to uh, religionist and atheist. It needs you to accept one of the two extremes so it can compartmentalize you and put you in one of the, collect one of the collectives because the collective is easy to control. The individual is not. The, the free-thinking individual causes processing problems for the construct. The construct is subject to many laws, and two of them are the law of diminishing returns and the law of conservation of energy. And that means it, it doesn't have a lot of chances to reel you back in. If you're going to go your own way, do your own thing, defy the construct, be a free-thinker, wake up, then the construct no longer has use for you. Because every single person here is of utility to the construct. It's sort of like the Matrix deal. It's almost like a battery, a spiritual battery. But it's not. It's not. It's not the situation that people are stuck in pods in in, in some AI pods and, and they're being harvested for energy. That's not the situation. The situation is is the construct will spit you out once you're awake. This is this is. This is what happens to the highly individualized soul that wakes up and goes their own way. Once they're creating their own right reality tunnels and they're totally, totally disbelieving everything of the collective, can't, if you watch ABC, NBC, and CBS, and you watch mainstream media, and you vibrate, and you get nauseous, and you watch it, you get sick, and you know everything you're hearing is a lie, you've pretty much awakened. And once you awaken, the construct no longer has any power over you. That is when you get to be, begin expressing your power. This is when the co-creator relationship kicks in. It cannot kick in for anybody in the collective. Because the construct will build for you once it realizes that it's not, it, you're not going to let, let it force you to build for it. There's a, there's a relationship dynamic here. Once you're a free thinker, you're free, you're free to be anybody you want and do whatever you want, despite the opposition. And this is coming from somebody who started this YouTube channel with $27 in his pocket. I, I've showed my journey through my whole YouTube channel. And they've seen my growth. I told them exactly what I was going to do, how, how it was going to be executed. And my, my, my YouTube family has watched me excel rapidly as I release videos explaining exactly my method on how to build my own reality. And I have done every single thing that I said I was going to do. 
And, and so I live my message, bro, because there's no one that you've met before who has come up with so much opposition than me on YouTube because of my criminal history. I have more trolls and more channels than anyone. I've got over 20 channels taking shots at me, and none of it matters. None of it. I'm still excelling, I'm still building, I'm still growing, and I'm still putting together this huge archaics family, and we're doing things and we're going somewhere, and there isn't an amount of opposition in this world that's going to stop me, bro. That is, yo, let's, let's just drop a bomb right now. Let's just drop a bomb. This is really, like, going to be a very, this is already a classic interview. We 25 minutes in, people. And Mr. Brashears is on fire. Jason is on fire, man. I got so many questions based on what he's saying, but I want to say to the haters out there, only God can judge this brother right here. And I think that what he's become, in my opinion, he's going to make a way more positive pop. See, prison is really designed for people to be repeat offenders and stuff you got to go in there and want to be some different and shit i never judge a person like jason because um i don't i wouldn't even i say everything happened for a reason right some the way he, whatever happened in his life that led him to get to this point um i you know i if i was him i wouldn't regret it good or bad because he's in a point now where he's really I think, in my opinion, from what I see, living his fate, his what he's supposed to do. Everything coming out of his mouth just give me chills damn near. I told y'all that how much I thought about Jason and how he articulate uh, the simulation and all of his knowledge about the construct. Even the terms he used, right? And they starting to rub off on me, man. Let me, I might have to, he might have to tax me, man. Let me... But I want to ask I want to ask you this, Jay, uh, Jason. When yeah. when I hear you talk, I think about deja vu a lot. The fact yeah. that you know we see something into the future, and not only like when when I experience deja vu, and then have a deja vu moment, um, it ain't that I just remember something. You know, it was like I was there. I re the smell, the way I felt. Yo, it ain't that, yo, I remember there's no, I was here, almost as if I traveled in the future to, into future and came back to the present and the future caught back up with me and like, wait a minute, but what are, you, what are your take on Deja Vu and how it relates to the simulation and the uh, the construct and, 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 and all these things? Deja Vu is a good one and it's a, it's a really good example of the programming that we live in. Listen. The very fact that something that retrocausality, retrocognition, the, the fact that these things are, exist and they're documented, the ability of a person to use their imagination to imagine a different past that they know they live and they know they, they know they experienced and they lived a certain past, but instead they decide to rewrite their code. And they get up in the morning and they imagine a whole different history they lived. And then they live out physically the rest of the day as if that history was true. I'm telling you now, you will rewrite the code because it's amorphous. It's the same thing as deja vu. Deja vu is you experiencing something that you've already lived because out because outside the construct, time time doesn't exist as we know now. Right now, we are living in a time dilation. 
And what I mean is, is I'm 50 years old tomorrow. Tomorrow I will be 50. But on the outside of the construct, I may have been hooked up to equipment to allow me to experience this whole thing. I may have only been hooked up to this equipment for nine minutes. And I feel like I've lived an entire life. And the very fact that we are already compressing data shows that this can, this is technologically achievable. Because I can send you, when this podcast is over, I can send you 50 archaic videos and then put them in a put them in a Google Drive zip file. And then you can download them to your computer. But when you do, they'll be in a little small zip file. But when you open that file, you got 10 long videos coming in there because Google is able through a zip file to compress a tremendous amount of data so it can be it can be transferred. Time is the same way. Time dilation is the compression of time. But we perceive time linearly. Therefore, things like deja vu don't make sense to us. But the truth is, is you're jacked into the central nervous system. And the central nervous system is what is what melds the psyche and the simulation together. So when you go to sleep, bro, that's when all your reality tunnels are knit for you because your entire existence has been monitored. And that means the construct has been able to basically ascertain the trajectory of your thoughts, the trajectory of your your emotions, where you're trying to go, and it can build for you about a hundred different reality tunnels. It doesn't matter which one you actually experience because it built those for you. Mm. The real pro- the real problem is is when you defy the coding, when you defy the coding and just suddenly do something. This is what I teach on my channel. When you break pattern. You absolutely tap into an immortal ability, the ability to build for yourself, the ability to create a world for yourself, create armor, create create your spiritual weapons, create the roads that you want to take when there was nothing but walls or barriers put there by the construct. When you break pattern, you confuse the construct. It has no idea what's going on because this is something else I teach. The construct itself cannot read your mind, it cannot read your thoughts, but it has vast amounts of predictive ability. It can predict your behavior based off your past. And it can it can basically it's almost always right. It can also predict your behavior by your hormone levels. It can read your body language, you can do all these things. It can read signals that you don't even know you're giving off, but it cannot read your mind. So when you break pattern and do something totally different than you've ever done, if you get up every morning, make your eggs, by 10 o'clock in the morning, you've taken a walk, come back, the dog took his shit or whatever, you put the dog back in the yard, and then you go to work at noon every day, come home at 8, 8 p.m., then you watch your shows at night, take your shower, go to sleep, and you do all the same thing the next day, and this is your life, and you've done this seven or eight years, and then one day, you wake up in the morning and you eat something else. And you ignore your dog for a little while and you hit the street you just walk in a totally different direction as soon as you do that you have opened up all kinds of worlds because the present is absolutely pregnant with possibilities but we miss it every time because we're living the dictates of the construct the things that have put, been put out there that we think we have to do every day but when you break pattern and do something new all of a sudden 
there's opportunities everywhere. You meet totally new people. You meet totally, you, you're thrust into absolutely new situations. And the construct is throwing all these carrots out there trying to get you to bite on something. On something. Trying, trying to corral you back into a collective. Mm. But if you keep defying it, it will start giving you the very things that you want and making you happy. So you don't contaminate the others. You have now become a virus. Mm. And it will give you the things you want in life. It will make you happy. You'll, you'll, you'll fulfill your dreams. You'll do everything. Because it doesn't want you to spread what you know about breaking patterns to the others. This is, a, this is what I teach on my channel. I, I teach it through the history lessons I do. Um, I, I turn history into lessons all the time. But I also, bro, I also live all these things. And, and I, on my channel, sometimes I just... I, I get spiritually overcome, and I'll just do a live video, and I just freestyle like I am now when I got mm -hmm. things on my mind. And it's a, it's a, a it's just, that's what my life has become. It's, a, it's I lead by example. Everything I've said on my channel, I've already done, and, and I do it consistently. I'm still doing it, and I'm not done. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not just building an archaic community. I'm trying to bring a whole bunch of people together because there's a lot of division in the, in the trigger community, man. We need to end that shit. We need to end that shit because those who don't want to come together aren't a part of the community anyway. Yeah. This is something I definitely agree with. Um, we don't come into the truth. The truth don't make us perfect and we're going to have our flaws, but um, I think the truth should ultimately unite us, though. And uh, that's, that's, that's why I agree with you on that one. Um, man, when it comes to, like I said, breaking down what is this thing we call life? You mentioned something about um, breaking pattern that was so deep, how to construct, and you like, it, 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 it's banking on us being predictable. So, it, yeah. you know, and it's almost like once you break pattern, you forces it to, if it's writing, it's, it's, it's feeding us uh, data in real time, I guess, as we think we're, Everything you saying, just to make a long story short, it make me say there is no free will. I've been saying that for a minute. Like, what is free will? Because it's almost like we're just dialing into possible future realities that already exist, in a way, like, with our intent. There is no free will. Let's address this, all right? Um, to, my, to, my, to my own Arcade's family, I don't know how many times I've said this, and it resonates, they understand what I'm talking about. But bro, we live in two different simultaneous realities at the exact same time. Right now, we are suspended within two realities. One of them is the collective. It is, it is those who are trapped in dungeon programming. They believe everything the construct. They believe the entire scenario, the, wor the world, all the paradigms that the world has fed them. They believe this. They believe everything NASA says, everything the news says. They believe what their neighbors are going through. They believe the police the police blotters, the police reports. They believe when somebody is, is arrested and indicted, they're guilty. I mean, these people here are a part of the collective. They have zero imagination, and they number in the hundreds of millions. Mm. This, this is the collective. And I'm going to tell you what you just said is absolutely true for those souls who are trapped in this negative default programming. But what you just said is not true for you, me, those who have awakened. You do have free will. And this is the whole point of the construct trying to 
trying to polarize you, trying to get you wrapped up in the racial shit, in the political shit, in the geopolitical stuff, trying to get you wrapped up in, in, in the uh, socio-political and the, and the religious, the socio-religious political stuff. Because, yeah, don't think religion is separated from politics. They're, they're hand in hand. So these are these polarities that we get caught up in. The, all, all these things are distractions. They're for the collective. The collective doesn't care what cause you pick up as long as you pick up a cause. The reason is, is because by living in two different realities, one is the highly personalized individual soul that can create their own world and live in the construct amidst all these people who are trapped in dungeon programming who look at you as an anomaly. They look at you like, man, Brother Sanchez, is, hey, he just, I don't get him, man. He's weird. He has some weird beliefs. But you get the things you need in life. You get the things you want. You excel. They see you excel, and they don't understand because you don't follow the rules of the construct. So they basically stay away from you. And this is what the construct likes. Because once Brother Sanchez has made up his mind that he's not going to participate in dungeon programming and that he's going to be a free will, a free willed co-creator. I'm going to explain co-creation in a minute. But once you once you fully embrace you who you actually are and you start building, then the construct itself will start building the things that you imagine. It won't fight you anymore. It now embraces you. It keeps its battery going, which is the collective. But because you have awakened, it now has other processing duties it's got it's got to comport with. And the the deal is is people are brainwashed into thinking that they have to save the world. But the truth is, this is a construct. It's not even a real world. You're here as a pilgrim. You're here as a sojourner. You are a prodigal son. You were never designed to save the construct. You're here to pass through it. And to pass through it, acquiring all the things that an immortal needs. You're not here to acquire all the physical things. They're given to you anyway by virtue by virtue of your power. But you're here to acquire intuition, imagination, empathy. And you can only do this if you've lived multiple different types of people, multiple different races, and multiple different cultures. So what you said is absolutely true for the collective. It is not true for you. That is amazing because I always felt like in some way because that makes a lot of sense free will ain't free you know and i think we pay the price that you said something to co-create that's gonna get deep because it's almost everything you're saying is real like it's like i've taken my life by both of my hands i'm in control of it where at first I, it was kind of like life was happening to me and it was like i was waiting on some sort of um intervention if you will but now it's like i'm totally in control if something don't happen right it ain't the devil if something do happen right it ain't god it's totally me inner analyzing and all that and that may sound simple but we don't really consciously do that day to day and when we do it we find out like this this whole nother sense of control that we have in our life like the ability to think for ourselves and not care what nobody else think that's taken so that's that's underrated hearing you talk is crazy because it's, when you say the word co-create i don't know where you about to go with that but i feel where i think you about to go and that's really gonna be deep you want to go ahead and go into that
Uh, sure. Um, I see you introduced somebody else. Want to introduce him right now? Yeah, Hello, most definitely. I was waiting on uh, him to come on. This is my co-host, AM1, and he's a huge uh, fan of your work as well. So salutes to AM1. And, of course, yeah, he's he's my brother, you know what I'm saying, co-hosting this thing today. All right. So, yeah. All right. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, great to be here, uh, bro. Uh, Jason, uh, big fan of the work. I've uh, been following you for a while. came across you from uh, Soul Luckman. Uh, so this was a while back and just been watching the growth of the channel amazing work just uh the chronology and just the the alignments and the cycles and the periodicity just really getting into that super interesting just the whole simulation simulacrum concept uh i've always been a student of the idea of like a theory of everything type concept to where you can take what is reality what is physics what is this even you know let's take spirituality and all these different concepts of, you know spiritual being having a human experience tied all together how does it all make sense and I think that's something that, I mean, it, it boils down to just sheer consciousness overall. But for you to be able to kind of map it out and use kind of mathematics and take the different calendrical systems and put it all on a timeline with the chronicon, the chronology, and really tie into that uh, 138 year cycle, which I definitely love to pick your brain about. Uh, but I don't want to throw off the flow, flow of the shelf. But uh, I know you were talking more of the co creator element. But just to introduce myself, uh, say what's up to you guys, and you guys can be. Please resume back on what you guys were on. Awesome. Well, good good to meet you and well said. I can tell you've been following the material. Uh, so co co-creation is, is where most people get it wrong, bro. This is this is this is what I teach on my channel and I explain and people will blow up my comment sections when they adopt this and they come back and they realize, holy shit, Jason's right, this stuff works. It's really simple. It's really simple. You have to understand that the oversoul regards us as children. This is, we are immortals in development. And any child that thinks they can do everything for themselves is one that has not, has not learned the necessary lessons yet. You haven't matured. The co-creator relationship is just that. It's a relationship. We are spiritual architects. We are here to perform spiritual alchemy, the transmutation of the imagination, which is purely spirit. The brain physiology cannot explain the imagination, cannot explain intuition, and it cannot explain uh, empathy. These three traits are entirely spiritual. They come from something other than the biology of the body. So what we have here is an immortal being in an artificial construct trapped within an avatar, which is a part of the construct as well, jacked into the construct through the central nervous system. But what is uncontrollable by the construct is imagination. And by virtue, imagination is outside the construct. The construct has no power over it. So the highly individualized soul that realizes that all they have to do is imagine what they want and then move their physical avatar, which is a part of the construct itself, move the physical physical avatar in the direction of what you want. You just have to initiate. You do not have to follow through because that's not a relationship. The architect imagines the end. The builder is the one that constructs everything that was imagined. You're not the builder. You're, you're assuming a role that does not belong to you. You are the architect. You imagine the life that you want. You, you imagine the relationships. You imagine the even the wealth. You can imagine anything you want. 
And as long as you have put together a good picture of what you want, and then you move in the direction of that, the construct will begin to knit circumstances into your reality that comport with exactly what you imagine. You'll start seeing on a daily basis little changes in your life that are moving in that direction. It will begin a feedback loop. That feedback loop is you seeing these changes, getting excited about it, and then the oversoul taking that as, as okay, I'm doing the right thing. I am creating what, 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 what he imagined. So you get more excited when more changes happen, and this feedback loop continues until one day you wake up and the very life or circumstances or things that you imagined are already in your possession. And by that time, a lot of times it only takes days, but by that time, what you initially wanted doesn't have the precedence that it had before because you've already begun to build other things. And this is what has happened in my life. I have imagined things, put them out there, watched them come to fruition, did it again, did it again, did it again, did it again, and they begin to overlap each other. But you don't have to remember because trying to remember all the particulars is the same thing as assuming that the oversoul is going to forget. And you can't do that. The oversoul forgets nothing that you project into it at all. So... All you have to do is move in the direction of what you want and then let it go. Just let it go. Your physical avatar has to move in that direction. So let me give you an example of moving in that direction. This is, this is, it's as simple as this. I imagine that I want a Jeep Wrangler and I'm going to, I want it as fast as possible. And I want, I want the lift kit on it. I want the front, front bar. I want, I want all the, all the zoom zooms and wham whams and bells and whistles added to this thing. And this is what I want. And let me tell you, I have to want that without any doubt because the construct is going to try and make me think that you're just greedy. Now you're just greedy or you're not worth that or you're full of shit. You're never, this is never going to happen. You have to imagine it as if it's already yours. You're just separated from it in time and space because what you want already does exist. We live in parallel universes. Everything you want already exists. All you have to do is close the distance between the coordinates of what you want and who you are now. And it's very easy. All you have to do is imagine what you want. You want a Jeep Wrangler? That's all you got to do is imagine it, put it out there. And then on the next day, go to a dealership and just look at Jeep Wranglers. Your physical avatar, which is jacked into the construct itself, the world itself, through the central nervous system is now acting out an imaginative drama. And the oversoul is going to pick that up as a signal that you're serious and that you really want this thing. And it's going to begin to knit those circumstances. And if you think that you have to do anything other than that, then you have absolutely no faith in the relationship you have with the co-creator relationship with the oversoul. You, you just can't. You cannot doubt. You cannot assume that you have not done enough. As soon as you assume that you haven't done enough, that will be taken up as a circumstance in your reality, and you will find that you have not done enough. As soon as you imagine that opposition exists, I promise you opposition will appear. But if you keep moving forward with the good attitude that you're going to get exactly what you want, then it's going to happen for you. And it's, it's going to happen to you a lot faster than you think when you understand that you're only a co-creator. You're not the builder. You need to imagine 
walk through it a little bit and then let it go and move on with your life and do other things because that's the ultimate faith. Because if you dwell on something day after day after day, that's attached to anxiety. And anxiety is a signal that tells the older soul that you're not serious because you don't believe. And if you don't believe, there's no sense in having a relationship. And if there's no relationship, it will not fulfill fill that spiritual architecture and transmute that into a physical reality. You know, this is so amazing. Into a physical reality. You know, this is so amazing because when you say what we're telling the oversoul, we ain't using words. We using like our, the feeling that we feel about ourselves and our reality, how we're projecting ourselves, who we are, where we want to be and all of this stuff. This feeling that we get, it's almost like when they, it's kind of like whether it make me think what the religions used to be for. Because they told me in my church that if you really wanted something to manifest in your life, focus on it. I have ministers, pastors, and all that say we can't focus on one thing too long. You know, we and, and just a focus in our thought. That's kind of like what you're saying about getting up every day and just, I can see myself in a certain position, and I know I'm going to be there. I don't doubt it, just like you said. And that gives me butterflies in my stomach, even though I might not be there right now. I, I live like I am though already. And each day I can see I'm, how my reality is aligning with that. And like you said, closing the distance. This is so, this is so true. So true. So I think I want to segue into... Uh, yeah, focus and thought. And when you say moving the body toward, see, and this is what I want to ask you. Most people, Jason, they'll see themselves in a certain place in their mind and they'll get up in the morning and don't know where to begin to get there. Because you said move the body um, and, and just focus that thought. And you was getting into what you mean, yeah. Let me interject real quick so there's some clarity here, okay? You got to understand the construct itself. Your avatar, Bro Sanchez, the body I'm looking at now, your avatar, this body, is you feel, you feel that it's physical, and the desk in front of me feels physical. Therefore, the avatar is not you. It is a part of the construct. But you, your personality, your imagination, intuition, empathy, empathy, your memories, the thing that, make, that makes Bro Sanchez, you are not a part of the construct. You're a part of something else. And what you're attached to is the oversoul. And if you do not live by, by the dictates of the oversoul as the oversoul lives, then you're just going to be subject to the construct. The collective are subject to the construct. They believe their avatars are real. And because they believe their bodies are real, the construct gives them real things to believe in. Like being a Republican, being a Democrat, being a socialist, being, being, being a communist, you know, being, being a patriot, being a nationalist, being a globalist. It's going to put them in an ism. It's going to put them in, in a polarity because they have fallen for the trap that the body is real, therefore the world is real too. They're, they're one and the same. There's no difference between the avatar and the external experience that you're having. The difference is, the difference is by virtue of imagination, which is entirely a trait of the oversoul. It is something every immortal shares. Imagination, empathy, and intuition are not a part of the construct. 
They are totally separate from the construct, and the construct has to obey them. But the problem is, is the construct has done a very good job of convincing souls that are inside that this is the physical reality, that you have to fear pain, loss, uh, disappointment, uh, failure, death, and, and you don't. None of, none of these are to be feared. Fear is the absolute opposite of a relationship. Because if you're in a true relationship with the oversoul, and you're attached to the oversoul, and you've been given three major powers of the oversoul, then there's nothing in the construct to fear. Once you identify yourself as separate from the body you inhabit, because the body you inhabit is a part of dungeon programming. The, body, the bodies that we inhabit are a part of negative default programming. They are a part of the very, basically, architecture of the construct itself. This is where people don't get it right. You are not your body. And when you realize, when you realize that you're an immortal being inside of a puppet, then you realize that the puppet can be made to experience awesome things once the immortal takes over. But if it's the body speaking, then the body has to live by the rules of the construct. If it's the immortal within speaking, then the construct has to obey the immortal. That's amazing. Okay, so I was curious about this. So, Jason, this is super interesting, and I was curious to see what you think about this, because just taking the framework that you laid out there, it almost seems like, uh, relative to manifestation, the oversoul, the real actual being that's experiencing this from outside the construct, is interfaced with this body that is a part of the construct, literally built from the same material as everything else, essentially. So then it becomes a matter of the actual consciousness being having the experience it seems like your ability to manifest things have it go your way in here is directly proportional to how much you realize you're not actually this person here you're actually that person out there or that being out there um so but it's an interesting sort of thing like the idea of the secret or manifestation in on a personal note for myself as i've kind of like tried to move more in like an understanding of again a theory of everything uh self-realization the more that I can sort of come into the power of, whoa, if I move this way, take the kind of actions, uh, as you guys were kind of describing, uh, more things sort of bend to my will, so to speak. But oddly enough, as a catch-22, the more that happens, the more I'm kind of like, the less I even need in the world, I'm more kind of fulfilled. But uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, sort of the proportion to which you realize that you're actually not this avatar assist in your ability to manifest more using i guess the power for of the oversoul if i'm saying that right yeah well everything everything's in baby steps this you somebody just doesn't wake up and become this real powerful immortal forging all new circumstances in their life actually they have to be convinced of it by the little things that change in your life because it begins the feedback loop that it's a snowball effect start seeing these little changes and you realize damn I did that. I put that in motion. Then you get excited about it. And that excitement is a signal. You have broadcast a signal into the oversoul that it receives and it builds for you. It's as simple as that. But let's reduce this to the lowest common denominator for simplicity so everybody can be on board with exactly what's being said here. Imagine, imagine that all three of us designed and the most epic virtual reality reality game. It's a game system, and we built our own world, and we invited.
able to get in it. And we've got this cerebral interface holography down pat. We got the details down pat. You even it even induces you to feel certain emotions. The headset vibrates, making your vault. We got it down pat. We know exactly what we're doing, and we got a thousand people to join our game. After a while, we're going to see that some people get so lost in the visuals and the physical sensations that the game becomes more important than who they really are. They're trying to excel. They're trying to get to the next level. They don't care that two or three other people have been fighting with them through all these scenarios. They see a way where they can jump two levels if they leave these two people behind. And they do it. Other people say, screw that. I'm going to stay with my, my, my little unit, and we're going to slowly extend. You're going to see who has character. You're going to see who is mature. You're going to see who has potential, because that's what it's really about. Not everybody's on the same level but everybody has the same potential. So potential is what the oversoul looks for. It is a void that can be filled. And the construct tries to fill it with all, all the physicality. It tries to fill it with all the things that are, that are unimportant, but, but people who are basically living a very, very visceral physical life feel that these things are important. But if we designed a video game and had a thousand participants, it's just like what we're doing now. They have interfaced into a false reality and they're experiencing things and they're doing, and their avatars are fighting, building, uh, doing whatever, whatever they want to do in this whole, in this artificial city, artificial deal. They're doing all these things, but the real personality behind the avatars that are in the game is, is on the outside of the construct looking in. They're not really there. They're not really in any danger even though their hormone levels spike when they get killed on a battlefield in a virtual reality setting. It is the exact same thing, but it's thousands of times more sophisticated. What we're experiencing is technology, and it is a technology that is so advanced, and it is so far removed from anything that we are able to develop on the inside of the construct, because this construct is, is it actually fuses together the psyche in the simulation. It allows immortal spirits to experience something that's not even happening. And there's no risk whatsoever. And once somebody, re once somebody really realizes that, damn, none of this can really hurt me, I, I'm really, I really am a Neo in some type of Matrix world, and even more important, I'm a Neo in a Matrix world, but I have... I have an oversoul that's walking me through it because I'm living in a co-creator relationship and I, I'm no longer trying to do things myself. It's not Jason trying to build his life. It's not Jason trying to do none of these things anymore. Jason has let go of all that. Now Jason just imagines what he wants and then does something in the physical world. I have to. I have to make this, this avatar follow through on a thought because it's a part of the construct and it makes the rest of the construct obey. I gotta do it. And then I gotta let go and do other do other things because a true relationship is built on trust. And if I don't let go, then that means I have some type of anxiety that I'm not gonna get what I want. And if that anxiety is there, that anxiety is a signal telling the oversoul not to build the thing that I want. That was yo. Good stuff. I'm glad you asked him that, AM1. This is very interesting. I also now want to go into 
the concept of we are ageless, infinite creatures. We always have been infinite energy. We started off, if there's a beginning to us, by the way, which I doubt, whatever we was before this form, Jason, it's an infinite, un, uncontained, untamable force. And that it shows to, here's my theory based on what you're saying. We started off as all-knowing infinite beings, but we didn't know how to how not to know. So we had to learn ignorance. We had to learn get exposed to this knowledge of finite and mortality because our our start as babies is ultimately infinite energy, immortal. And if we start off in the infinite and immortal realm, what's to learn? The non-infinite, the mortal realm, hurt, pain. So just to say what you're saying, it kind of back up the idea of these fallen angels that, you know, the sin had to come down for this experience. That, that's really backing up a lot of uh, research. So I'm going to drop a bomb. And then we're going to move to some more questions I got for you, which was archons. I talk about people that's within the construct that aren't like us and that every human ain't the same. We we sentient, we're sentient beings, I think, therefore I am. But there may be a group of people among us that look like us, male like us, uh, probably don't age like us because they can prolong their aging, but they ain't, they probably be a hive mind, a board mind, but they're a group, no individualism. What do you think about the idea of a, like a, interdimensional group of archons or something that like in looking like us but not us, us among us well um i i um, i have to use the example of bigfoot the sasquatch snow walker yeti abominable snowman we, we've all known the different names for bigfoot i want to use this as an example because hair samples have been found snagged on trees footprints have been documented eyewitness Dogs have chased them down, and yet not one has ever been captured, ever. And the testimony all the time is a foul stench, and the creature is seen, and there are thousands of citations, and there's even a testimony of a truck hitting one, and the truck in the front of the truck is very damaged. We're dealing with a creature that if hunting dogs can't find them, then we're dealing with something that can basically phase out of the construct, which means that it, it's, there's another construct here that it can phase into. And this is another, this is what, what we find with the research on the Bermuda Triangle and the Devil's Triangle in the Sea of Japan. We find the exact same thing. We have eyewitness testimonies of the sky opening up like a corkscrew and some planes or boats and ships just getting lost in it and then they're gone. Absolutely, absolutely gone. And eyewitnesses say everything just corkscrewed like the clouds weren't even real. Like there were paper, paper just crumbling up and moving out of the way so a plane could fly in, then the sky welded back together and the cl clouds floated away. We have eyewitness testimony from military people who have seen strange things in the sky that are inexplicable, inexplic like something that is transdimensional. We, we even have testimony from World War II uh, German U-boat submarine captains who put in their logs things that are unbelievable that were documented and seen through the windows of submarines that don't make sense. Things that were seen to come in and out of our world. 
Many of the UFOs, many of the UFOs that have been documented have been seen in large bodies of the water. In the U.S. Navy, we even tracked one in the Pacific in the 1970s. An object three times the size of an aircraft carrier was shadowing a battle group. It was about a mile underwater. It was three times the size of, 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 the, of the carrier. And it was on the radar, and it just shadowed them, and then it was gone. So we have, uh, we have these testimonies, and we have anomalies like, uh, was it Malaysian Airlines Flight 370? There's more evidence that that plane never came down than, than it crashed in the ocean. The search parties for that plane were, were almost half of the world's oceans. They were everywhere looking for that plane. No flotsam, no jetsam. Anytime there's a plane crash, there's going to be things floating. And then nothing was ever found. They combed that. They combed the Pacific like like no other time in history, and, and couldn't find a trace of that plane. Hundreds of people vanished, but they're not the only ones. In 1902, the Bannock Burn vanished in the Great Lakes, and it's still a mystery. The Great Lakes aren't deep enough to hide a ship of that size, and yet today there's no ship of that size anywhere in the Great Lakes. It was it was seen in full view of another ship, and it was entered into the logs. But strange lights appeared in the sky in the clouds, and a second later, the entire Bannock burned with all its crew and, and over a million pounds of, of wheat and barley just totally vanished. It's gone. And it's not the only ship. Many ships have vanished in full sight of other ships. They did not sink. They didn't have time. It just disappeared. There was another ship, a Swiss ship, that had 300 cadets, all teenage boys, training for the Swiss Navy. Again, gone. I absolutely vanished. And they're not the only ones. There, there's a whole list. I, I just don't have the list available to me right now. But by example, we have we have examples from all over the world and published in books going all the way back to the 1800s that talk about all these anomalies about things disappearing. And they comport with the traditions, especially European traditions are rife. They're rife with fairies and fairy rings and the disappearance of children. The, uh, the Pied Piper of Hamlin type stories. There just wasn't one. Hamlin, there were many incidents in Europe of these strange dark figures showing up in force playing hauntingly, hauntingly deep music. And these kids would go out there and they would never be seen again. And uh, children disappeared in, in, in fairy rings. Fairy, fairies have been chased, chased by soldiers uh, uh, in the Viking times. And then the fairies just hop in the mountains. And there's no entrances and there's, there's no caves. It's a, we just, the whole history of the world is one of extra-dimensional experiences. It's just not something the collective talks about. You won't find this in establishment literature. But there's a lot of researchers who put out really good material that the obvious conclusion is that this construct is, it is, it's not, it's not an absolute prison. You can phase out of it into another dimension. Now, this is beyond the scope of the archaic research. I really don't go into this type of stuff because, uh, I mean, the paranormal is fascinating and all that, but there's no way I can I can really show it mathematically. There's no way I can show it in, in source materials. So it's not something I, I can I can really talk about beyond the 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 just the surface things that I just discussed just now. Well, well you know, okay, you you got some yet? Yeah, you got? It. Yeah, no, it's interesting because where you're going with that, uh, Sanchez, the idea of could there be? You know, if I'm hearing your question right, could there be? essentially people, humanoid type beings similar to us that look like us, or I would even go as far as to add to what you're saying, that maybe look like different, I don't know, animal forms, hybrid forms or whatever. Uh, part of the archaic research specifically talks about uh, periods where 
cataclysmic events happen in the whole out the whole layout of the uh, the plane so to speak is formed so in other words the vapor canopy uh, uh how do you phrase it the vapor canopy time so it's interesting right because uh jason has talked about the idea of the time during the vapor canopy because of the oxygenation levels and just the overall the radiation the whole different environments humans would grow to different heights uh animals would grow larger so it stands to reason that it there could be let uh leftovers from those that are still present that could be seen as different types of beings so then it talks about i mean obviously there's historical documentation and records of giants human type giants but jason i'd be curious to know your thoughts on the idea of civilizations in the past that reached technology similar to us or vastly more uh advanced the idea that we're able to move towards cloning um, if we could make some type of human, whatever hybrid, uh, reptilian hybrid, obviously I'm sure you've heard of the concept of reptilian beings or whatever. Is it possible that something like that happened in the past and, or a combination of something like a environmental change, vapor canopy could have, I don't know, naturally generated some type of creatures like that, that are essentially humanoid ish type human beings that are still present to this day. Uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on those kind of speculation, but we're not on your channel, so I know you can go a little deeper on some of the more speculatory ideas. Thanks. Okay. Um, real, the real problem with assessing this type of data is that we have all been brainwashed by the establishment to believe in the uniformitarian model of slow primitive development up to where we are today, technologically advanced. But that's not what the archaeology and anthropology shows. That's not what the traditions and myths show. It's not what the ancient records tell. We started technologically advanced. And then we were reset by a vast cataclysm scattered all over the world. And the individual surviving colonies built Egypt. They built Rakshamra and Ugarit. They built Babylon. They built Akkad. They built Sumer. They built Mycenae. They built the Minoan Nassos. The survivors of this cataclysm built the very colonies, went in all different directions, and they built the very civilizations that we know of as the old world. But the world that these survivors had come from was technologically advanced, and there are still some objects in this world that reflect that technology. One of those is the Great Pyramid in Egypt, in Giza. It is inexplicable. And most people, most people just dismiss it as a pyramid, not even understanding the complexity of the structure itself. It is unlike any other pyramid in the world, even the large pyramid it is sitting next to, which is a decoy. The actual Great Pyramid is a machine. It is technolithic engineering. And when a vapor canopy returns, that thing is going to be activating again. Right now, it can't. It's not the right atmospheric pressure. It's not the, it, we just don't have the right environmental stimuli for it to do anything right now. But I do believe the elite understand what that thing is capable of. As a matter of fact, in the occult in satanic literature, it's called the Gate of Yaksakak. It's also known to be a gate in Egypt where demons flee if they fear, if they have a fear of being exorcised. In the ancient Hesiod version of, of, of history, the pre-Greek pre era, Typhon appeared, and the gods were so terrified, but the only place in the world they could flee to to be safe from the destruction of the phoenix was the Great Pyramid. They fled to Egypt. In the Book of Tobit, we even have a demon, I think it was Asmodeus, 
But uh, we, have, we even have a demon in the book of Tobit that flees to demon when it's when it's scared of being when it's scared of being exercised from a human, not being able to use an avatar. So the traditions uh, and the traditions and, and myths of the world all point to the Great Pyramid. They all point to Giza as being some type of gate, the ability to open a portal, do something. And we know it has an engineering focus. I've got like 70 videos on the Great Pyramid alone showing that it is some type of engineering. It is some type of function. It's actually, it's actually more sophisticated than anything that we can build today. We don't have any contractors. We have no companies today that can replicate the Great Pyramid. It's not going to happen. And in the whole myth about a bunch of guys in robes and, and, and sandals going out there with chisel hammers. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Those are that's a geopolymer construction. And those 2.5 million blocks that are five that are five tons to 70 tons each are all stuck together with an adhesive that's one fiftieth of an inch thick. And some of the planes are a tolerance of 0 0.025, which is a hundred times smoother than the marble on a bank building, and it's inexplicable. Whoever built the Great Pyramid, what, they went into overkill on precision. And you, I know you've seen the studies. You already know that, that uh, there's hundreds of books about, out there about all the geodetic and all the physics constants that have been found in the structuring of the Great Pyramid. No other pyramids exhibit these, these traits. Great Pyramid does. But uh, on my own channel, I've shown that the Great Pyramid is also patterned out of the number 138. It's found in hundreds of, uh, of measurements that were done to the thousandth of an inch using a micrometer. So it's a uh, this 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 idea that that we have developed slowly in the uniformitarian model is totally false. We were technologically advanced during the vapor canopy period. We were. We were, I mean, the, the Sanskrit, the Sanskrit records are very clear. In the Hindu records that were preserved through, uh, from the Sanskrit, we find training manuals on how to build your Viminas. Pre-flight checks. Yeah, there's, there's, there's texts that show 101 pre-flight checks. There's whole manuals that discuss how to dogfight and take down your enemy in aerial combat. These have all been found. It's not even hard to find them when you Google them. You can Google these these texts that were written in Sanskrit that talk about these things. They even have illustrations showing the dynamics of Vimana aircraft. So there was flying, and we know there was flying because we have found the Meri all throughout the Pacific. Uh, David Hatcher Childress shows it best. He's got several chapters on it, but there's these flat-topped, platforms that are found all through Micronesia, Melanesia. These islands are not capable of, of building these things. Somebody took the materials there, built these platforms on islands, and sometimes the entire island is nothing but a platform. There's nothing else there. But there was a reason for those, because those are aerial stops for aircraft that were passing from continent to continent. The Pacific is the largest body of water. And these things were strategically placed so aerial aircraft like 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 giant zeppelins, but the Viminos were smaller and they could move at high velocity. They were like the zeppelins though. But it's for it's for these are landing platforms. David Hatcher Childers in his Lost Cities books shows pictures of them, show, shows all the text on aerial. It's really good, compelling research. But sometime in the ancient world we were flying everywhere, and we know this through cartography, because there's no way to map out everything that's been mapped out in the ancient world unless they were flying. 
We have picked, we have actual maps of Antarctica without any ice or snow. Greenland and Iceland, free of ice and snow. Today, there is a two mile thick ice cap on Antarctica. But we've got maps that show mountains, rivers, and valleys exactly where they're found in, in Antarctica, even showing the numerical designations of the altitudes of those mountains, sometimes the coordinates. For us to preserve these maps, and we have pictures of them, we, uh, this is, it's, a, it's amazing. It means we had flight in the past. And, and because it only takes 200 years to go from horse and buggy to Hadron Collider, I promise you, we've been technologically advanced in different areas of the world at different times. Mm. Because the cargo cult phenomenon has always been occurring. There are always civilizations in the world that are still living a Neolithic lifestyle, agrarian lifestyle, while there's other civilizations that are exploding with, with engineering, industry, and technology. And then they're reset. And then they're, they're reset right back to, to be living in the Neolithic, but they suffer for it because they don't know everything that people in the Neolithic know. They're wiser. They know the root lore. They know they know the herb lore. They know they know which animals are good and which are easy to hunt and all that. The, the technologically advanced civilizations that are reset, they suffer the most because the survivors have to start from scratch. They don't even know how to survive like the Neolithic people do. So we have these we have these weird instances in history where infrastructures collapse and then the more primitive people take over. And then it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird civilization after that. And then they, these two people become one and, and new racial characteristics are born and a whole new culture is born. And, it, and it's a borrowing of advanced concepts that are now melded into more primitive frames of reference. And this is the whole history of the world over and over and over since the vapor canopy has collapsed. We have been technologically advanced multiple times, but something keeps retarding our development. Something keeps appearing to knock us right back down, scatter us abroad, and, and make sure that we don't get to the level of sophistication that we have now. But it didn't do it recently because we are now entering the collapse of the construct. In the literature of old, it's called the last days, and it's a drama that is played out multiple times. We're living in it now. We're about to enter the apocalypse phase. It's not as near as, as, as all the fear mongers on YouTube and all these channels talking about things are blowing up. Now, it's, this is all human manufactured events. The construct will begin to manufacture events in 2040. And after that, it's rapid fire. All the different changes that are going on because the construct is going to initiate what is called in the religious literature an exodus. And all those who are awake will be ejected from the construct. They, they're no longer welcome here because you are now contaminating those that the construct has enslaved. You're free. Therefore, you're going to be freed from the construct when, the, when these series of events unfolds. This is why it's called the apocalypse. It has two meanings. One of them is an unveiling. And the highly individualized soul will realize who they are, receive their, their blessings, and be ejected from the construct. And, they'll, and every, they'll, all their memories, all their, all their experiences will be given to them, and, and they will receive a new avatar that will comport with the new experiences. But those who are st still living in the construct, they're going to be reset back to the beginning.
and this is the story of Genesis. They're going to they're going to experience the Adam and Eve reset all over again. They're going to start from scratch, and they're going to be living all their life stems through Sumerian, Akkadian history, Elamite, Babylonians, Rashamric, Egyptian. They're going to be going through all the stuff we've already gone through. They're going to go through it again, mm -hmm. and they're going to experience those little synchronicities and deja vu events when they're like, damn, didn't I do this before? Yep. Because they don't realize they've already run through the construct multiple times before they woke up and were ejected. They Do you actually, think the vapor candidate would return after 2040? Oh, I'm certain of it. And speak, of it. speaking of the vapor canopy leaving and that causing the collapse of everything, I was doing the etymology of apocalypse and I was showing how it breaks down to APO or APEX or AP collapse, calypse, showing like, the, like you say the vapor canopy moving. Some people say the firmament dome opening up or the, whatever. But the apocalypse, even the very wording of it, uh, you know, the collapsing of the apex or whatever, apocalypse. But so I was just thinking about that. I also was thinking about the, when you saying a vapor dome moving, it's the really the removing of this veil. And when that when that happens, it's something happening on the collective of humanity. I think they call it Aquarian energy where we start to see the truth behind you know the programming and stuff but not everybody see it i like what you were saying about how it's it's like a fork in the road where we at well it's about to be two realities and you get to choose where you want to go if you like this world you can continue you can do it again you can put another quarter in the game and play it again and you can start from the no. from the jump you know so but if you're ready for a whole nother game because you beat this when it's old for you, then the, this game will eject us just by the thought of our exercise and willpower, our rebellion against this world. Because when you wake up, we say, man, this world ain't the base reality. What is this place? Like this is old deja vu. It start to, you start to act like a person that have been here and born a bunch of times, and now your awakening is like, yeah, it's time to get out. And, it, and you, you actually will be granted that, according to what Jason's saying, because it's all based on consent. When you tired of playing, they got to free you from it, because like you said, you can become, you know, if, if, if you don't want to play the game no more, then the people who run in the game room, hey, no laudering. If you ain't playing the games, get out. You may be a hindrance to the people who are playing or whatever, especially if you're tired of playing the games and you ain't got nothing good to say about the games, you got to go from from the game room. And that, that, that was dope right there. That's let me know that this awakening ain't in vain, Jason, because a lot of people say, well, Sanchez, all of this knowledge, it, it gives me chills. It's so enlightening, but how I'm going to make money with that? <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, you know, everything ain't all about money, but, you know, so, but I just wanted to add that if AM1 ain't got nothing, then we can go with some more. I got some more questions for you. Um, Cause I wanted you to go more deeper into uh, dungeon programming and building on that. I like that dungeon programming. What made you name it that? Um, and yeah, let's talk about uh, dungeon programming a little bit. Sure. Um I'm thinking, I don't remember when I came up with the concept, but it was after I, real, I realized that this is a construct. And 
we, we seem to go in default mode all the time. When we can't make up our minds, it seems that our minds are made up for us. And we just start doing things out of real memory. And then we realize, what the hell am I doing? This isn't even what I wanted to do. But something took us over, and we just started doing it. And it's something that we've already done, so we don't even perceive that it was the construct that basically just moved us and did something for us because we were being indecisive. So when you don't, when you're not living a free will of life and making decisions on your own, those decisions will be made for you. If you're not living as a broadcaster, then you're just a receiver. And if you're going, there's, a, there's, no, there's, no, there's no way to be in the middle. You're either going to be broadcasting by virtue of imagination the things you want to experience. You're breaking pattern on a daily basis so you can continue to experience new things, have new things fit into your reality, or you're living a 100% total reflective existence. And it's the construct that's creating your reality, and you're just living it. All you're doing is receiving information. You're not broadcasting it. You're a part of the collective then. And if once you're a part of the collective, it's hard to break free. This is why my mantra on my channel is break free or die trying. And I tell people all the time, you'll never break free totally until you exit the construct. Because breaking free is a daily thing. It's something you got to do every day. And every day, you'll get better and better at it. But it's a... Break, you got to break free from the from the opinions of others. You got to break free from the social conditions that your that your avatar is subject to. All these things that Im are imposed against you are imposed against your avatar, not you. Once you make the distinction between the two, and you realize, damn, I can move my avatar where I want to, then the construct will obey. Dungeon programming is when people believe that they are their avatar because that belief automatically makes them fall into a default mode where they are subject to all the rules the construct conveys. These are the these are the do-gooders. These are the people who do everything they're supposed to do. Even even when breaking a rule will save someone's life, they would still stop to think about it. Even these are, this is, these are the people who are trapped in a paradigm. They're trapped in this construct. This is dungeon programming. Dungeon programming makes you believe that your avatar is all important. That you need to save it. You need to do these things. You need to participate in this. You need to help these people over here. That They believe absolutely in a physical reality and all the consequences that come with it. And because they believe in these consequences, the very consequences that they fear are what they experience. They experience hunger. They experience disappointment. They experience an absolute boring life of going to work every single day doing the exact same thing and always wanting change but never receiving it. They are a part of dungeon programming and it's their own damn fault they're because they're not breaking pattern. It is very, it's a very simple matter to break pattern and just do something different and totally acknowledge that you are a independent personality that's not even a part of your avatar. Your avatar belongs to the construct. Once you fully realize this, you will understand how you can build your reality and not be subject to negative default programming and dungeon programming and these things that totally, absolutely fix you to the collective. You're, you, I mean, you're, it's, there's no simpler way to say it than 
you're either broadcasting who you are, or you're just receding from the construct who you are. <laughs> Yo, I gotta drop a bomb right quick. <laughs> this is Jason Brashears, man. This is why I couldn't wait to get him on here, man. And I got so many questions for him. Like, this is, I'm absorbing a lot of stuff here. And the re what I like about the whole dungeon programming thing is that um, when you say people scared to break, to change the pattern, to change it up, yeah, they, they, they definitely are banking on everyone just being complacent all the way up to the point where people love uh, routine. And that's what I say why. The governments that rule the world, they rule it on traditions. And traditions are the biggest enemies of truth. Truth ain't traditional, but our construct programming and dungeon programming, that's to me what I keep finding. They, they perpetuate this programming through traditions. And we don't really understand the rituals and symbolism we're, we're partaking in. We do it just because it's routine. We get caught in these routines for generations. And, and when we wake up, it's hard to bring the truth because you're going to be opposed with tradition. And people are very emotionally attached to that. Yeah, 100%. I was born and raised Southern Baptist. It took a long time to divorce myself from that programming because that's what it is. It is core programming. And Southern Baptist is no different than Jehovah Witness. It's no different than Mormonism. It's no different than Islam. Every bit of that is core programming because every bit of it has some fundamental truths. And that's what makes it alluring to people. But it's also attended with a whole bunch of baggage, which is dungeon programming that gets you to believe in many things that have no meaning. But they fix you to certain dictates that you, now you have to live your life by. So once you've agreed to that paradigm, the construct itself brings more people and circumstances to comport with that belief. You're now thrust into more situations where you're going to be involved with more Southern Baptist activities. More Southern Baptist avatars are now being introduced into your life. Now you're being getting invites from people, man, for all different kinds of things, and it's only Southern Baptist attendees. You're going to events. Next thing you know, six months have passed, and your entire life has been saturated with a church that is populated with a whole bunch of other people who have bought into the paradigm, and you have grown not at all. At all. You have basically bought into a dungeon, and the construct is going to continually feed it to you, and continually feed it to you. Breaking free is easy. You just have to consci consciously do it. And, and it's, not even, it's not even something that you need to make complex. Because if you believe complexity is necessary for any changes in your life, then the construct will take that as a signal that it needs to introduce barriers, hurdles, and complexity in order for you to receive the things you want. You can't imagine those things into your, into your existence because it will build that for you. So what you need to do, what you need to do is in breaking pattern is to recognize what you're doing on a daily basis that's the same as the day before. First, you've got to recognize the repetitive behavior. Once you isolate what it is that you do all the time, don't even speak out loud about it. Don't do anything. Just wake up the next morning and do something different. And you're going to see almost instantly how all these circumstances, all of a sudden, you might see a car wreck. You've never seen a car wreck before, live before. But because you did something and went somewhere different, all of a sudden a car wreck's happened. 
Listen, the construct is going to be doing all kinds of things around you to get your attention. Yeah, if you're a guy, you might you might see some hot chick come up who looks real familiar to you or whatever, and she comes into, and, and talks to you. You never know what's going to happen. The construct is very, very inventive as it's trying to reel you back in. It's trying to assess what the hell is on your mind because the construct owns that avatar, but that avatar is now being controlled by a free will, and that's unacceptable. So it's going to build reality tunnels to make you come back to a paradigm. But once it realizes that's not going to happen, then it's going to sequester you, and it's going to isolate you away from the very collective that, that you have freed yourself from because it doesn't need you to come back and contaminate a, a dungeon that it's already built. Those dungeons are set in place and it's going to protect them. And to protect those dungeons, it's going to give you what you want. Because you're going to stay away from that, that, that dungeon and you're not going to go back and wake them up. So the construct itself is now going to reward you for your individuality. Drop a bomb on that. Awesome shit right there. Go ahead, AM1. I see you, bro. This is dope. Yeah, no. So you asked him about the dungeon programming. I've got to ask this because I've been, like I said, I've been listening to Jason's uh, content interviews for a while, and I'm just blown away. Just the the synchronicity of even being here. Shout out to my guy, bro, Sanchez. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, you just you, you know the story, Sanchez. Drop you the text like, man, you gonna have arcades on there? Like, man. Okay, so Jason, if I can ask this, I've, I've never heard someone asked you this so relative to dungeon programming inside of the simulacrum cool got that we're we know that with the 130 year period starting from 1902 to 2040 interesting things are going to happen the simulation is going to start making some changes uh, i guess phoenix protocol comes back maybe vapor canopy comes back at some point we get a sequence of events and you said that at some of the more errant types, I don't think you've even used that word yet within a string, but obviously I've been listening to your stuff. The errant types sort of get more or less phased out, kicked out, rewarded out. I'm interested to know your thoughts on the nature of what's outside of this thing. Like I've heard you talk about the idea of potentially being jacked into uh, some type of system, um, obviously into the sim simulation, but... Um, and that we could be traveling on some type of ship. So I've heard you describe this type of concept as well. But I'm just curious to, to and I'm trying to formulate, formulate the question properly. Do you think outside of what we're experiencing here, that seems like some type of physical nuts and bolts reality, we know it's some type of simulation. Outside of this, do you think it is actually some type of matter nuts and bolts situation that would constitute the real world? Or do you think that is more or less some type of what we could describe as a, more i don't know ethereal spiritual realm or do you think there is a such thing as a spiritual energy realm that's even beyond that if, if i'm asking you that right if you see where i'm going with that okay first of all i believe that everything is an extension of the oversoul even the construct itself every individual in the construct even those who are trapped in dungeon programming everything is made from the essence of the oversoul. The oversoul, though, is, is, is able to vibrate on multiple different frequencies, so it, it can create from its own essence. And to answer your question about what's outside the construct, I have to give you my idea about, through all my research, I've come to the conclusion 
that what we're experiencing is that for the oversoul to have created all this and the oversoul is eternal, then I have to make the logical conclusion that the creation is eternal as well. And if the creation if the creation is eternal, then that means the oversoul did not create everything as a singularity. It wasn't a big bang and everything appeared. Meaning an eternal oversoul would never stop creating. And there will always be a new influx of immortal souls that need to mature and need to develop. I do not believe in a purgatory or a hell. And I believe that every soul will be saved because they're not even in any danger. And I believe all the souls that are a part of dungeon programming who are looping back over and over and over. And then waking up and be, being ejected. Sooner or later, they will run through the program so many times they'll get it. That may be us. It could be us. You and I could have already experienced this entire nemesis program so many times that we're just now waking up and we're a part of the next ejection, the next the next exodus. But everybody else that's here a part of the collective, they're gonna loop back to the to the Adam and Eve reset, they're gonna live all these programs all over again, all the way to the apocalypse again when there's an exodus event and new souls get ejected. But I believe that since the creation is unending and a new universes and worlds are always being created. I believe that they're being created at different rates of vibration, different levels of different different levels or aspects of the oversoul. I honestly believe that it's unending. And for it to be unending, that means there's probably an infinitude of these constructs. And that we're gonna learn from all of them and we'll never be bored as immortal beings because this beauty of these constructs allows us to experience worlds that were created by others. The oversoul didn't create this construct. That's even in the ancient religious texts. This construct was created by someone who had a problem, a philosophical difference with the oversoul and wanted to prove a point. And the point was, if I was God and I could create, and I could create a deal uh, I bet I could get some of your spirits to agree with me. This is a predator versus prey ecosphere. The signature, the signature of violence is everywhere in this construct. It's very well hidden and we've gotten used to it. But in a perfect world built by a perfect God, there would be no wolves rending the rabbit to eat their dinner. There wouldn't be a there wouldn't be an ecosphere that was based on tearing into other other living beings and invoking fear and terror and pain in them just so you could eat or feed your young. Some creatures are fed alive to other creatures that are caught fed by their young. This is not right. But we have we have gotten so used to it. The very fact that our avatars require sustenance, that we kill other living beings to live, we've gotten used to this. But this is all the signature of violence. Even in the Christian record, Satan is the god of this world. In the construct, say, the, the Satan, the adversary, the Yaldabaoth, the, the Demi-Urge, this is the one who, who built this architecture that we're experiencing. But everything that goes on in here just stays in here. It doesn't cross-contaminate the real universe or go into other mm. civilicons. It, it stays here. 
So the oversoul is 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 basically able to train immortals to become creators as well. And there will come a time when when you and I have experienced so many simulacrums that we are finally given a divine appointment to build our own universe. And then new immortal souls will experience the world that we built. And this is unending and it will never end. It will, the creation is a continuum, not a singularity. Uh, okay, I love that. That is a, I love when I can hear a concept that I've never heard before and that one where you get to the point of reaching your own sort of creator godhood to, to paraphrase what you just said super interesting so that would make sense of the continuity of it all if we're dealing with a infinite being that's ultimately immortal and that ultimately could divide itself into as many practical practical fractal units as it possibly could and it's basically just playing a game with itself so similar to what sanchez said uh with this kind of theory of everything kind of positioning uh, ultimate being divides itself, creates the illusion, the veil that it doesn't know, and then it plays games with itself, teaches itself, and some of those fractal versions of itself get to relearn and then achieve a creator god kind of level. Super interesting stuff. Uh, go ahead, Sanchez, because I know you have some other questions for him, because I know if you're anything like me, you got a million questions for Jason. Yeah, we, we're going to pass it back and forth. It's like, it's really deep because it's, I've always had this idea that eventually we will be able to gain some sort of higher power that's unfathomable, but it's at, it is just beyond, it's a transitional point that we're making. He just broke down in words what, what I was kind of feeling inside. I'm going to let you go with your question uh, before me, AM1. I like the questions you bring me. You can go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, just the idea. Of, uh, I was just curious. And I, I was kind of wanting to re-ask the question because, again, like, it's super interesting to, I mean, just to be here after listening to so many streams from uh, Jason to be here. It's just super, like, almost Twilight Zone-ish. <laughs> uh, could you speculate on the makeup of said experience right when someone disconnects from this body? In other words, there's stories of uh, even out-of-body experiences or the idea of an astral realm that's similar to the physicality we currently experience or the idea of you could move to some astral realm and then some other realm of lesser density of lesser density of lesser density do you think if you i'm sure you've heard of such a concept if you could subscribe to such a thing those spiritual hierarchical realms do you think that's something that will be contained within this particular simulacrum or is that something that is totally outside of that's dealing more with the oversoul, like a, a delineation between how we're experiencing it within the simulacrum. Is there a life after death scenario or hierarchy within this, or is that something that's totally outside of this? Okay, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna answer that. I just wrote a note to come back to this question, but I wanna I wanna backtrack because I didn't quite answer your your other question when I, when I was explaining the eternal nature of creation. Sure. Your question was on what was on the outside of this construct. So let's go back to that real quick, and then I'm going to address NDEs. Listen, in my imagination, based off explaining the eternal nature of creation, sure. your question was on what was on the outside of this construct. So let's go back to that real quick, and then I'm going to address NDEs. Listen, in my imagination, based off a lifetime of research and my own intuition, just what I feel, I believe that humans 
on the outside of the construct. And but we are of we are of a um um a spiritual maturity to where we understand the multiverse and we have access we can travel to all different places that have these massive similicums, these artificial realities, and every single world is totally different, but it's technology on the outside. I have to assume that if anything is true somewhere, then it's probably true everywhere. And since we have been able to achieve the technological sophistication that we have today, then technology is probably the reality on the outside, and that we're in a technological construct. Except we are so spiritually mature, we have not. We have not on the outside of the construct done anything like what's been done on inside of it. All this is done on the inside to keep from any cross-contamination. These things are only experienced inside these, I don't want to call them domes, but that's what I envision. I, env I envision these, these massive amphitheaters filled mm -hmm. with domes where we can walk and see and we can give we we can listen to a presentation by someone who's been in that world, and they tell us, "Hey, this is what happened. This was going on. This is what I did, and all that." Or we can read about it on a holo screen or something. This is why what I envisioned. I envision a civilization that's absolutely at peace, and all the learning is done inside these individual constructs. I keep thinking back to the scripture, my, in my father's house are many mansions, and in that I see a code talking about these awesome celestial cities where all these universes are built by individuals who have already graduated through many of them. Maybe not all of them, but you graduated through enough similar experiences to where you, you were isolated by the oversoul to be a creator now and given the responsibility of building your own world. And once it was done to your satisfaction, it was added to the Colosseum full of other worlds and people were able to join in on that one. And because it's a new world, it requires you to oversee it. And as you oversee it, you do your resets and your edits and you do your little changing of programming to modify things because you've probably made mistakes. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. This is exactly what we're experiencing in reality today. We know some historical events happened, but the Mandela effect is convincing us now that it didn't. Yeah. We're, find, we're finding over and over and over that the more we study history, we find, we find redactions, we find edits, we find where the entire narrative was hijacked and something else has happened other than what we were raised to believe, what we intuitively knew to be true. These edits are done from the outside and most of them are innocuous, but it tells me that this is all technology and mistakes are not uh, a sign of weakness because all mistakes do is lead to more growth. So this isn't even looked upon on the outside of the construct as bad. It is probably expected that mistakes will be made. But um, that's what I envision. I just want to answer that. I envision that a whole bunch of us probably know each other on the outside. And we probably have got together multiple times. We may have agreed to do this simulacrum experience together at the same time. We may have signed up for it. I don't know. I don't know mm -hmm. how that system works on the outside. 
I don't know. But I believe once it starts, you are locked down. I believe once you agree to one, you're in there. There's no, there's no ejection. There's no getting out because you're signing up for an experience where the immortal personality, you, are absolutely convinced by the technology you're immersed in that you're really in that world. And it, and it takes a long time and many experiences before you begin to wake up that this is a construct. And by that time, it's almost over anyway, and it's time to leave. So yeah. that's, my first, that's my first answer. The other thing is NDEs. So I kind of I kind of angered some people in the truther community about the NDEs. And, but I can't take back what I've said, and I'm not going to because I, I still hold to it. And that is... An NDE is just that, a near-death experience. It is not death. The testimonies that people have coming back saying that they did this, they did that, they experienced this and all that, they were not dead. If they died, they wouldn't be here. The avatar shut down. It's a part of the construct. But the immortal soul within never left. It doesn't matter what that immortal soul experienced when the central nervous system was in a panic and it was showing them all kinds of images, pulling things out of their brain, trying to make sense or what was whatever trauma was going on. People come back with stories about the light and they come back with stories about visiting all kinds of cities and all this. But these could simply be the central nervous system tapping into the memory of the of, of the immortal that's within because something terrible has happened to that avatar, some type of trauma. These people experience an NDE. They are near death, but they didn't die because the, the, the simulacrum and the psyche are still fused together by the central nervous system. If that is broken, there's no coming back. So they didn't die at all. And I can't accept NDEs as evidence of, uh, of death. I don't believe these people died and came back at all. I believe they're on the verge of death, but the actual gossamer thread that, that connects the soul to, to the avatar didn't break. It couldn't have broken, because if it did, they would have never come back to give us any testimony. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not on board with NDEs. I'm not. Uh, I, I, believe, I believe they happened. I believe they happened. I don't believe that the actual people died. If I could just, just expand on that just a little bit. So, NDE, near-death experience, there's the idea of OBE, out-of-body experience, or some type of spiritual type of transition where you're still clearly attached to the avatar to some degree but the inner consciousness being whatever can escape mm -hmm. and uh, perceive yeah. what appears to be different I'll, I'll, I'll you know and just to give my experience i actually astral projected and uh I, I gave his testimony plenty of times i don't want to be redundant and waste time so i'm gonna run through it quick i found out a technique to astral project i tried it and uh, i was scared that it might work and that i may actually get out my body so I, I was kept every time I try to fall asleep, I will wake back up scared, like what if it worked? So about three, four times of doing that, I woke back up. I said, let me get up a minute. I cut the light on and I realized something was different about the room, but event, to make a long story short, I realized, yo, I'm astral projecting right now. I'm out of my body. And the moment I realized I had fell asleep and it worked, I got so scared, Jason, that I woke back up in my bed and in my different clothes. It was in my same room, same location, but an alternate form of it. And that slightly alternate form is what hinted me to know like, 
yo, I'm, I'm astral traveling right now. And a minute when I realized that I woke up and like you were saying about it, some force that's trying to, it's combating our awakening. Because I'd be thinking about like lucid dreaming and astral traveling. The hardest thing about it is when you actually become woke in these uh, alternate realities, you can kind of, it's like some force is hitting a fear button to say, get back in this world and your body. You don't supposed to be having this gift. And it's so hard for me to do it again. I, and it's, you know, what is, is, do you think it's something that is getting some kind of alarm when we go lucid or get to the other side that say, wait a minute, we got one that's, he's, 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 he's lucid. Let's go and activate some sort of fear back and it's something to get, let's scatter them back into this world or something like what you think about that? Well, the, uh, that, the astral projection, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I have no problem with, with consciousness, the, in, the immortal within being able to, to move away from the avatar. That does not mean the avatar died. That's why, that's why I disagree with the NDE. The NDE experience is real. People have had the experiences. It's just the interpretation I, I, I differ with. I don't believe they actually died. With the astral projection, we have records going back of, of, of dream walking, the Native American traditions. They didn't use the peyote and all that. They, they, they did the spirit walking. Uh, I'm on board with that. I've never experienced it, but there's enough evidence. There's enough evidence, like out of the Monroe Institute and things like that. This is real. Uh, I'm just going to reference that. Yes, it's, it's real. It's been used. It's documented scientifically, and I believe it's been even been a part of some some uh, like deep state deep state. Uh, right. right. I just don't have any personal experience with it, but and and and, and this is AM one. You can have it have it after this. Is one thing I'm so passionate about this topic because I've asked to project it as a child, but I, I thought everybody did it. When I grew up, I just stopped dreaming altogether for a minute. Then I start back dreaming and, and I asked to project it that one time, but screw asked to projecting. Have you guys ever had a dream and while dreaming, you realize, yo, I'm dreaming, but you didn't wake up. That has happened to me a long time ago, back when I dreamed, I don't dream anymore. And I've told, my, I've told my, my own followers on my channel, I've told them that many times. It's been a long time since I've ever experienced a dream. But I do remember an incident, just like you described, when I realized when I was in the dream that I, that I was conscious that I was in a dream. And it kind of freaked me out. I, I remember waking up to that. Yeah. Yeah, my whole life I've had the uh, uh, classic sleep paralysis type feelings uh, before I ever even read about it, told my mom about it. She was like, yeah, that's happened to me. And then when I read about it, I was like, oh, this is definitely what's happened to me. And then that's what brought me to uh, Bob Monroe, Monroe Institute and Tom Campbell and, and so many other books, just trying to figure out what was happening to me. And then the whole thought process of how, to Sanchez's point, how scary it would be if you could actually do it. Because it's like, well, what does this even mean? And then to this day, I think about the idea, is it some kind of subjective experience? Are we in some type of extra realm, extra dimension? Is it something that could be objectively experienced by other people at the same time? Uh, Jason, I'm sure if you've read about Monroe Institute, they figure out a way where they could all uh, astral project, have an out-of-body experience at the same time and meet up in what appears to be some type of consensus locale. Yeah. And to that point, I was wondering your thoughts and just to reframe the question I was asking before, if that is some type of objective place on some realm where a bunch of different individualized beings could meet but on some extra dimension do you think that that lies within this particular simulacrum or is that something outside of it 
That, it's a good question. I don't know if I'm qualified to answer it. But this is a mathematical construct, 100%. Everything, everything, everything that we analyze in science, in the physical world, it, it basically dissolves to arithmetic in numbers and number patterns. So uh, I'm, I don't know if it would be uh, another dimension or nothing, but I do. I, I, I'm very much on board with multi-dimensional uh, realities, as long as we're talking about those realities being different frequencies of experience. Because you know, I mean, you already know the electromagnetic spectrum is something we only experience like five percent of it. There's ninety-five percent of the energies that can be optically viewed around us that we cannot see. We just can't. We just can't. And it's probably for good reason. It'll probably freak us out. It'll probably be very distracting. But uh, I just don't know. I just don't know about that one. That, that's interesting, Jason. Remember earlier you were saying that a lot of the ancient technology around the world, it just looked like a bunch of primitive stuff. It make us think we're smarter than the ancients, but we don't realize a lot of that stuff was tapping into the unseen part of our reality that our science denies because it just give us physics, but it don't talk about the unseen and spirit side. It's just the physical, the physics, right? And we know that it's more of the unseen reality exists than the real, than what we can see, smell, what the sense is showing us. So I think a lot of that ancient technology is so advanced that it didn't need a lot of wiring and bulkiness. And we think our stuff is so, you know, because it was tapping into that unseen world. What, what you think about that? And also I wanted to ask you about the Antikytherian mechanism. That's one of the, like a, this ancient, is supposed to be so technological, right? But it's a simple me mechanism that they was using to track the seven wandering stars and all that. I just want, I had a lot of questions for you, but I'm, we could start there though. Well, uh, in the year 1900, sponge divers off the island of Creek uh, found a shipwreck and brought the stuff up to the surface. But it wasn't until 1902 that somebody had cleaned off this Greek looking box had Greek symbols on it. When they cleaned the box out, they realized it was full of gears, and they weren't just ordinary gears. They are gears of different sizes with different teeth sizes, and there were differential gears. And it was a, it was a, it was a mechanism uh, made of metals from about 80 BC. And it had a Greek marker that shows what Zechariah Sitchin believes to be the year 585. Uh, they sold a price, believes it was 586 BC. Excuse me, oh, excuse me. Zechariah Sitchin believes that the Greek date marker, the only date marker on the entire mechanism, marked 584 BC. Um, now, they sold a price, believed it was 586 BC. I would like to differ with both of them because neither one of them knew about Phoenix phenomenon, and neither one of them knew that there were devices back then that were designed to track it. And the, uh, the 583 BC is not only the date of a phoenix appearance, but it's also the exact time when Thales of Miletus absolutely predicted accurately the appearance of the of the phoenix and the darkening of the sun. And he was famous for he was made famous for that later on. And it is said that the Antikythera device was a differential geared mechanism used to track astronomical bodies, but they can't really figure out which astronomical bodies it was designed to track. And this is where my research comes into play, because that date marker is very specific. There is nothing that happened in world history that would have been so important at that time period to mark other than 
the sun going dark and it wasn't the moon that did it in 583 BC, which was predicted by Thales of Miletus, according to Herodotus in his book, The Histories. So this, this device is, is, is just so interesting because when it was discovered that it was actually a computer, it was the year 1902. 1902 is the last Phoenix year. It's the, it's the hidden reset. And the, these discoveries happen all, all the time in key years that are very fundamental to the very things that are discovered. So it, the, the chronology tells me specifically that the Antikythera computer was specifically designed to track the Phoenix episodes. The very, the very fact that, that it was discovered to be a computer and the date marker showed that time period absolutely proves to me that that's what it was for. But what's interesting about the Antikythera device is that the technology required to even make that would be far more sophisticated yeah. than the device itself. And this is an anomaly. This means around 100 BC, there was a technologically advanced civilization somewhere in this world. It doesn't mean the whole world was like that at all. Let me, uh -huh. give, you an example. Let me give you an example. In the 1870s and 1880s, European nations and the, and the United States and Mediterranean nations were basically all on the same level. Level of technology, level of development. The Turks had cannons, they had cannon ships. We all basically had the same technologies, the same industry, the same manufacturing. But in the 1870s and 80s, we had to send fleets of U.S. warships to Japan and China who were living a Neolithic lifestyle, who were isolationists, who didn't want to trade with anybody. Their technology was primitive, so we threatened to cannon them. And it's a real, it's a dark period in, in, in history, but we gave them our technology. We gave the Chinese, in exchange for trade, the ability to manufacture, the ability to build, build an infrastructure, have electricity. They had none of these things. They were, living very, they were living very primitive. This proves that throughout history, technologically advanced civilizations can grow up even though the rest of the world on other continents are still living Neolithic lifestyle. And, and the crazy thing about that today, we, we call those like first world, second world, third world countries, but the idea of calling it a different world, to me, it kind of hint to we created different worlds with different forms of technology. Like we can make a, a time traveling machine today, but in order for it to work, somebody had to make a time traveling machine in the past. And, and, and even though it may look a little primitive than Barker and ours, it does the same thing, which is why we can go back to their time. But my point with that is, you know, it's crazy because we, we separate countries by the technological and call them first, second, and third world, and et cetera. Um, something else I wanted to, to talk about with all this, because this research thing gets very deep, yo, and I wanted to screen share real quick to back up what you were saying, because we, wow. we, we see um, architecture like this, which is magnificent, very intricate. Even when we go to Anchor Wat, uh, we see very intricate carving in Cambodia, like you brought up Egypt. We can't build like that today. And then if you, now this is like from the 1600s, and then we come off around in the 1800s from this right here to this. This is, we clearly went backwards. And it wasn't that long ago. And I want to say that we inherit like a kingdom 
and we did something where we didn't upkeep this kingdom because we see architecture like these castles all around. We didn't build this. We came and built like blocks and shacks, if you will. There was a great civilization here, but what happened to them and how did we learn from they? Why aren't we building like them? Like what? This is clearly something that, you know, we should investigate. What you think about that? Well, I think that the the answer to the mystery lies in whatever happened in the 1600s. Because before the 1600s, we have absolutely no, no, we don't have any Western presence in like North America and Central America. It's like a huge gulf. We're just told that there were some American Indians living here and that's it. And then, and then the Western explorers, the European explorers started going into Central America and North America. And, but but the, the whole thing doesn't make sense. We're, we have architecture in the Americas that is far older than the stories of the history books that tell us when colonization began. We have all kinds of anomalies in the Americas of, of architectural value that don't make sense because they predate the actual histories of the explorers that came here and found these places and there was nothing but Native Americans here. So something's not true. And the only thing that couldn't be true is the narratives that have been given to us because the architecture is still here. There are star forts here all over North America that are inexplicable. You know, this is really the domain of, of a lot of these Tartarian researchers. A lot of these guys have done, now, uh, I agree that there's a Tartary, and I agree that for a while there was a Tartaria area. It's like the it's like the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Doyle stories of Conan the Bar Barbarian with the capital city of Samarkand. That that type of history, I'm on board with that happening for a while before there was a cohesive elective of nations that formed out of that. But but uh, a lot of people have gone overboard on the Tartaria deal, trying to find all things everywhere, all over the world as being Tartaria. I'm not on board with that. But I am on board with the fact that there was a Tartary for a period of time. It was, it was mysterious, and they had some fantastic architecture. But the colonization of the Americas must have been way before what the history books are telling us. Because the architecture is here, and it's anomalous, and we just don't know who built it. So this is the problem with resets. Because in the Phoenix phenomenon, we have a phenomenon where edits and resets are very cleverly done and then hidden by natural disasters there are people who there are people who go right through it and they're just fine they keep on going they know something strange has happened but the construct has them enslaved so they keep going forward then there's some people who are awake but they're but they are spiritually disadvantaged these people lose their minds and the collective puts them in, in sanitariums and this is why why so many people were going to the insane asylums the collective had to separate them because they couldn't process what had just happened they were too awake and they saw the editing they saw the resets and they saw how reality changed around them in an instant they weren't a part of the collective so they weren't they weren't they weren't fixed in dungeon programming Having been having actually experienced the edit, they lost their minds. So the uh, and there's and there's, uh, there's other people like Charles Fort who lived through it and then turned around and wrote extensively about it and called 1902 that other dark age and and, and basically gave us a tremendous amount of information from scientific sources that something indeed unusual happened in 1902. There was an editing deal, but Charles Fort being an intellectual, merely documented everything and then re 
another dark age. He didn't understand what happened. And in 1919, he couldn't really process these things from a technological uh, perspective as a holography that is edited, a computer program that is, that is suddenly changed and that those who are inside the program mostly keep moving forward as if nothing happened but they know, they suspect something changed and it's a little weird, but they move on with their lives. And there's a small minority who can't move forward because they experienced it, they saw it, and the whole world they thought they believed in fractured right in front of them and it broke their mind. If I could add something in here, because this is super interesting and again, mind-blowing to even be able to ask this of uh, Jason, and this ties into Sanchez, your work, and some other uh, content creators. So 1902, I just ran 138 back to 1764, another 138, 1626. Uh, the idea of uh, pyramid mounds, and I'm talking specifically within the North American continent, uh, ancient structures, uh, I've actually been to in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, I've been to a star fort, I was standing in it, and this was oh. around the time where I came across FE information and uh, star fort type information. I was like, wait a minute, how am I, 40 years old uh, plus and never even heard of Star Forts and until just now. And this is after this whole FE thing or whatever. And I'm like, how did they hide the whole type Tartaria thing? I never heard about that in school. So clearly the hidden history type concept, the reset type concept, we've heard about these legends of uh, Atlantis. Where is it? Is it somewhere off the coast? Uh, is it the Turtle Island concept? Is it the idea of there's a, a raging discussion kind of developing more about North America relative to the African slave trade, African phenotype, uh, essentially are black Americans actually from Africa. Uh, I know that can be a touchy subject for a lot of people. I don't get all emotional about it. I leave no stone unturned. I have my mom, I, I just asked her and she says, well, yeah, we have uh, Wachita tribe in our family from Louisiana. Uh, very interesting stuff. I was just curious about the idea of these resets relative to these different uh, civilizations, these structures, Pyramid mounds. Uh, I've heard about Washita Moors. I guess being acknowledged as some of the most ancient tribal groups or whatever. I'm not sure if you heard anything about that uh, either of you guys. But you get into things like uh, Dan Calloway, his information, uh, Old World Florida. And these, if you guys haven't heard of these guys, I'd love to hear you guys talk to these different people. Curimeo, uh, Curimeo, uh, Oha. Um, the guy in Costa Rica doing really interesting stuff in primary source documents and reading these different things. So for me to be here talking to you guys right now, I'm, this is like a culmination of a lot of different information, epi information all coming together and I'm able to kind of splice it all together and kind of see how it's mapping out. But I mean, the cyclical reset to the 138 year, and I think that's the Nemesis X object or the Phoenix Protocol, Jason, if you could clarify on that. I'm just curious to, to get your thoughts on these periodic resets relative to different changes that have happened within the North American continent since we're here, and maybe even some obfuscation of the timeline relative to U.S. history and coming out of the 1800s into 1900s, even relative to some of the racial social dynamics. I'm curious if any of that makes sense to you. Yeah, well, the, uh, the, pre the, presence, the presence of Blacks in Central America goes back anciently to Veracruz State in Alaxia. The, the old Mex had relations with them. They are on, uh, David Hatcher Childers has, has shown many reliefs showing there were wars, there
there was trade initiated. There, they, these, these reliefs show Caucasians, they show American Indians, and they show blacks. They are all in the same reliefs, and who is who is very clearly defined. And these are things, these are things that are, are not mentioned by the establishment, but there are many good researchers who, who've done their homework, and David Hatcher Childress is one of them. And in, in his uh, series, the Lost City series, he goes and shows the and it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. It's showing they, they weren't brought from Africa back then. There were armies of blacks in Central America. There was even a war with Native Americans that unfolded after the collapse of the Olmecs. A, a black nation moved in and took over those cities and took over those pyramids. And it was after a reset that basically eliminated the uh, uh, the Olmec civilization. And there was there there was a, a yeah, it's a, there's a lot of data on that, but there's also there's also quite a bit of evidence that there were blacks in North America, not just Central America, but in North America when when uh, 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 European settlers began coming in here. There were tribes that were very very black. They were not American Indian. Uh, there's also some pretty good evidence that the that the genocide program that was pretty much secretly initiated by the U.S. Cavalry and in the 1800s was specifically designed to to start problems with those tribes and try to eliminate them. But uh, this is a there are other researchers more qualified to talk about these things. You know, I really stick to the more ancient stuff. But the 1800s is anomalous. It has some pretty interesting things. But for the for the 1800s, first of all, 1902 was the last reset. And it was a soft reset, meaning, meaning this construct construct held back, and it held back because we're entering the last days and we're and building back up to the technological sophistication of the old world is a necessity for the apocalypse to unfold. So 1902 was absolutely a soft reset. It was also the beginning of the harvest, and I've gone I've gone on my channel a little bit about this. Since 1902, many souls have not been coming back. They're not. They're, they're, they've been exit. They've been exiting the loop. They're not living life sims anymore. They have been sequestered, and they're. It's a gathering that's being ready for an exodus. Since 1902, the the requirement to live multiple life sims and just keep going is over for those who have awakened. They have been sequestered. You see this imagery in like uh, the fifth seal of the apocalypse in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is a programmed template. It is something that has happened multiple times. It is pure programming. This is why the future, it, it, it can be predicted with so with such accuracy. It is because it's absolute It's absolute programming. And all, and all, all the events of the past can easily easily show you the patterns by which you get by they have predictive value you can see the cycles and epicycles so the phoenix phenomenon is that's what nemesis x object is i'm about to release a video tonight called the dark satellite and it's got packed with information chronological information about a third object 40 different objects that have forged human history have never ever been here at the exact same time but they will right after the phoenix phenomenon it's going to be the phoenix nemesis x object and dark satellite all back to back for the first time in history and it's because this is the apocalypse period it's the end of the program there's about to be a reset the exodus will, will take care of those who are ready to go and everybody still in here is going to it's going to be reset back into the beginning where they live through this programming all over again and you know so, go ahead no you did, did you just 
spark something I wanted to throw at you real quick. When you say reset, I think like a classroom. When the students in that class reach a point where they've learned everything in that class, is reset with a whole nother generate of, of kids who don't know. And could these resets where we say, man, what happened to the smart guys? They just disappear like the Mayan. Can we look at it from that standpoint? Like, is that a, you think that's kind of what's going on to, like you said, maybe there's a time where these great awakenings happen where a bunch of people wake up at the same time and uh, the clap whole clap, it triggers a reset to, well, okay, bring in the next class that don't know because, and you know, so. Okay. so. Okay, I'm going to paint for you a picture that's going to answer your question. You just spoke about the Maya as if you weren't one of them. This is a flowing, this is an experience that we're flowing through. You've been Mayan. You've been, you've been Nabataean. You, I'm telling you, you've been Jordanian. You've been Israeli. You've been Babylonian. You've been Sumerian. You've been Egyptian. You've been Egyptian lower kingdom and upper kingdom. You've lived so many life sims through all, through all these experiences that any resets that were done in the past, you were a part of. And the Mayan civilization that you just mentioned, when it was disappeared, and I have evidence it was a Phoenix phenomenon in 936 that did that. As a matter of fact, it was two of them back to back. It was 798 AD and 936 AD when the Mayan civilization was completely obliterated. It was a Phoenix reset, both of them back to back. But we experienced that together because we were there. We have been through all this. We're the ones that got reset back then and then started over as a, as a new person with a new personality, with new experiences. And our true personality lies outside the construct. We're only borrowing part of it right now. And then when we exit this construct, every single lesson learned, every single memory, everything positive that we experience through every one of these life stems will be in our memory banks. It will be a part of us. It can't be a part of us right now. You can't remember any of these things right now because you're subject through the central nervous system to the one avatar that you're chained in right now. But when you're shed of that avatar, which is a part of the construct and not a part of the real you, when you're shed of that, those barriers to memory will not be there. They won't be there at all. You will remember everything. You'll remember all the other personalities. You'll even remember who you interacted with and who what their identity is on the outside of the construct. The reason I can be so confident in telling you all these things is because you are immortal. And as an immortal, all these things already belong to you on the outside of the construct. But we agreed to come in here to temporarily forget all that so we could grow mature so we can live through these experiences because on the outside of the construct we can't know death we can't know pain we can't know disappointment we can't know failure none of those things so we agree to come in here to experience all that so we can accrue all these memories experiences and we can grow and we can become the thing the oversoul wants us to be
Yeah, uh, real quick, Jason just brought up something about that video that he's about to drop later, and then he mentioned, uh, of course, there's the the Phoenix Protocol, the Nemesis X object, and then the object he just talked about, if that's coming up in the video, is dropping later. So, super interesting. Now, I've watched videos from FE-type content creators for years, and, and using the idea of showing the inaccuracy of the mainstream model for eclipses, right? I've seen footage from people flying high during eclipses and they're showing the sun eclipse and they're showing these other objects next to it. Jason, I don't know if you've ever seen this footage, but if you have, some people have related this to this Rahu Ketu uh, concept from way, way back. I was wondering, as I've been hearing this whole time, your information about uh, the Phoenix Protocol and Nemesis X object, is there any correlation between these objects, Rahu Ketu, these seeming nodes that are maybe near the sun, these maybe objects are on some cyclical pathway, creating some kind of disruption where the sun is being blocked out, uh, whatever the sun may be, is that some kind of reflection from the North Pole or something to that effect? But my real question is, Rahu K2, any correlation between that and Nemesis X object Phoenix protocol? What do you think? Okay, well, initially I believe Phoenix was an intruder planet. That was because when I set out on my when I set out to document all this material, I was still believing in the uniformitarian model. I was still believing that we were on a planet going sixty three thousand miles around a star. I still believed that we were ninety three million miles away from the sun. I believed all of those things. I bought into the paradigm. Therefore, I processed information that way. And Phoenix, to me, every 138 years was a, was a intruder planet. And then Nemesis X was a much bigger intruder planet on a much on a much more elongated orbit. I no longer believe those things. And in, on my own channel, I have many videos about vast super constructions hidden in our sky that have been seen in ancient times, in medieval, during the Renaissance. They have been drawn by people who looked at them when the power source for the sky failed temporarily and people saw what was really there. I am on board with the sky being a part of the holographic construct. I don't believe NASA or Elon Musk has ever been up there. And when they shoot rockets up there, this is why all the rocket bases are bordering large, large oceans. They just go straight into the ocean. Every time I see a rocket going to a halo and in halo orbit, which is high altitude, low orbit, it looks like it's passing through water. Comet tails look like an object of light that is flowing through water. I'm not, I am not on board with a sky that is full of, of stars. It has luminaries, but I don't believe that those are stars as science conveys, conveys them. I have literally seen with my own eyes the stars play with me and change patterns and then mystify the hell out of me when I know I just saw a bunch of stars do the same thing they do at the beginning of a, a of an Orion film. You ever seen Orion, Orion Studios film when a pattern of stars all of a sudden tur turns into a ring and zips away? I've seen that in the sky. I wasn't expecting it. I was laying in the grass looking up and I just it just happened. And many people have documented these things. People have documented flat, pointing very bright flashlights at the sky for long periods of time and then weird things happening to them as if they're being observed and what, what is being observed is not happy about it. I don't believe the sky is what we think it is. It is holographic, it's purely visual. The Phoenix phenomenon is something that is hidden in the holography. It can only activate every 138 years, which is attached to basically a, a, one of the physics constants. Now, the Nemesis X object is also hidden in the sky. 
and it's very it's related to it's related to the phoenix but it has a totally different function the dark satellite is the most mysterious and it is the one that i've really avoided even telling people on my own channel i've been i've been telling them for three years i was going to release more data about it and all that and i kind of i kind of got influenced to do it because gg young instantly um very recently did a very impressive video where she was talking about the dark satellite and uh so somebody else uh, i believe it was on facebook did a speech about the dark satellite i realized okay well, this is coming back into the forefront but I had written a book in 2009 that was published in 2011 showing that the Mayan long count is wrong and that the scholars are in error because, because of a mathematical mistake. And I had predicted that nothing was going to happen in 2012. And my book is that. Matter of fact, it's right here. Here's a copy right here. I've been taking notes out of it from my dark satellite video. But this was published in 2011 showing that all these ancient monuments and, and crop circle patterns and everything we know from the ancient past full of charts, uh, it's this whole book is basically explaining that the entire world is wrong the mayan long count does not end in 2012. so in this book though i have a chapter on the dark satellite it's it is the most mysterious of historical objects but what it has done to our world is absolutely unmistakable and that's what i'm going to show in the video tonight it's going to be all new material that I, most of the material i have not revealed before and i for some of my die-hard archaic veterans, they really like it when I go into the calendrics. So in this video, I'm going deep into the calendrics and I'm showing mathematical patterns that are inexplicable. Showing that this is a perfect mathematical construct. You can have absolute faith that this is going down here in the near future. But uh, yeah, that's the dark satellite. That's, that's my next video. I'll do it tonight. Hey, right, come on, like that. Go ahead, center. talking on mute again y'all ain't missing nothing what i was asking jason was how much time did he have and because i was gonna open up the thing for y'all to come on one at a time with questions so salutes to y'all i know y'all ready for that but until the end am one you got you got you yeah no no no. and i didn't want to jam it up with too many questions that's great that the caller call in but what i wanted to do in a proper fashion for youtube here is uh and jason i'm sure you're good with that but can we make sure that we're dropping the link to the archaic channel mm -hmm. yes we got, not we to got step on your feet but i'm sure you agree with yeah, that we got so, we got everything pinned in the video description okay. we got check out the video description guys and it got the website and also all of the links to his channel everything jason brashears in the description for sure. Okay, perfect. We'll make, make sure we're on the right And we need to be spamming that in the chat room uh, throughout the show if we can. Right, right, right. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, you got it, bro. You know how the college calling. Come on up, everybody. Somebody's saying there's no sound, but yeah, we should drop ones. We should be. Oh, yeah, that was a minute ago. Come on up, guys. Salutes to Jason and thank you for his time. And at this time, we can let you guys come on 
with y'all questions. And uh, Jason said, you know, it ain't really about saving the world. That stood out to me because um, in our attempts to save the world, we really save ourselves. I found that out to back up what he's saying. Like, you ain't going to save the world. They're saying you're still muted. Yeah. Okay. Wait, we I can hear you, but apparently they can't hear you. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's latency. They giving me one okay, now. Yeah, okay. well, I was just basically saying, like, we try to save the world, but what really happened, we we save ourselves. Everything we hate about the world, we end up taking it out of ourselves. So we save our world, so to speak, to what Jason was saying. That was interesting. My brother Masterpiece is on the way in right now. First caller. And make sure y'all, Jason said he's going live tonight. So let's go ahead and follow his channel. Moderators, let's spam these links. Jason, is that going to be a live or will that be a pre-recorded video? It's going to be both because of the, the subject matter is complex. I'm doing an upload and then 24 hours later, I'm doing a live Q&A on the upload. Oh, it's going to be great stuff. Uh, Masterpiece salutes to you, man. Welcome to the show. And yeah, let me drop a bomb for my brother, Masterpiece. Yo, thanks, man. Thanks, yo. This is a, first of all, this is a classic stream. Everybody's loving it. Top five, you know, hands down. Um, I just had a, a question. Um, I've had a couple questions since like this whole, uh, you know, new way of thinking about assimilation. And I was just wondering, um, <clears throat> When when we like say for example play a video game, we can be like multiple people, and I was just wondering like through family lineage and like um, like you know bearing sons and daughters, does that family lineage keep our consciousness? Like can one person from the outside of the simulation uh, inhabit multiple bodies or avatars? I don't know that's a good one. I mean, I've only lived, yeah, my, my memory is constrained to my avatar. So I can't answer for my other experiences prior to that other than speculation and what I've talked about on this channel. But I am on board with over the bloodlines. I don't talk about it a lot. I let other channels do it because it's really not the focus of my research. But I am absolutely on board with the fact that elite family bloodlines are real because they signed the contract. And they are helping the construct with their population control methods, with the things they do, and they receive the reward of that. The elite are look at it, most of them are buffoons. The elite are there because they've signed the contract with the construct, and they're helping it, and they're rewarded in exchange. Because the construct needs human agents as well as its little programmed protocols we call men in black which are NPCs that, that appear out of nowhere to force things to happen or to, or to, gain, to gain our trust or, or, whatever, or whatever. But on the individual, what you're explaining to me is something that would be beyond the scope of my ability to imagine. I just don't, I don't know if somebody on the outside of the construct would be able to come in and live multiple people. I think you get one avatar at a time, and then once, once you're divorced of that central nervous system, you, you, you basically sign up for the next. And you go into it, you're born back in 
you know, you go from an embryo, you're born back into the construct, and you're stuck with that one. Sometimes there's problems. It might be a stillborn death, and then you sign up for the next one. You go on and until you're born into a new personality. But I think you're stuck. I think the central nervous system is a piece of technology that is so fantastically powerful that it merges the psyche in the simulation. And I don't think you can get away with that outside of death. And, okay, and, thank you. Yep. Hey, Masterpiece, that was good because, I mean, I get what you're asking, Masterpiece, and I agree with what Jason's saying, but I think that's like for us, me, people like us, sentient beings. I, I flirt around with a theory that there may be a group of humans, of humans among us that may be some sort of archons or some people say reptilians, but they might be uh be compatible with what you said but that's just a theory man that was a good uh question master Pete. this uh waiting room is lit let me bring up the, the next person you can stay right there though uh Ma master Pete. we'll rotate everybody salute to Some jason for his time let's go and follow jason's stream tonight y'all clayton cut off your uh youtube for me my brother welcome to the bill soon as you get your YouTube video muted and you unmute your mic and come right on in. Let's let's get in the video description and follow Clayton. He's gonna be live tonight. Let's let's go over there, guys. Let's drop a bomb. Excuse me, I said follow Clayton. You know I'm tripping. <laughs> follow Jason. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, tripping. Go go ahead, Clayton. No, hey, hey, bro, Sanchez, this is one hell of a show, bro. I, I absolutely love it. And I just, I, I have a question for Jason. What got you on this path, my brother? What, 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 what made the shift? Well, that's a good question. That's all. Uh, listen, going to prison doesn't mean I was a bad guy. It means I did something real stupid when I was 17 years old. So the whole time I'm in prison, I'm trying, I'm trying to undo my karma. I'm trying to learn as much as I can because I, I'm, I'm in a world now that is absolutely full of books. So I read everything. I read everything. I, uh, I had I had Muslim brothers in there that loaned me all their books. And I learned all kinds of stuff about government. I read the Quran back and forward, uh, all four versions. And uh, I, I read all the white literature. I read even the racist literature. I read all, all the pseudo-historical literature. I read all the Graham Hancock-type literature. Uh, all the alternative history literature. I read the Book of Mormon. I read the Jehovah Witness books. I read everything I could come in contact with, the good and the bad. I read scientific treatises. I read all the anthropology. I stayed on top of everything that the library had, and I just absorbed all this material. I wrote a whole bunch of notes, but through it all, through it all, it was changing me fundamentally from the Southern Baptist programming that I was raised in. And I kept hitting walls where that Southern Baptist education wasn't good enough anymore. So I, I still clung to it as I was doing all my research. But when I was 40 years old, I finally had my awakening and I completely divorced myself from the entire biblical narrative. It was gone. And I realized what the Bible was. The Bible is a very powerful book and it contains many historical gems in there. But I understand that a certain people had rewritten history and included themselves where they did not belong. 
and they stole other people's histories and they called it the Old Testament in the Bible. These people don't belong in that. They didn't, they didn't perform these things. These are the accomplishments, the regnal list, the king list, the histories, the traditions that belong to other people. And when I realized this, it opened my eyes and I was able to go through and I still saw the Christian message as one of, as, as basically an immortal manifest. It wasn't something that I had to believe actually happened. It was something that I had to follow. And I realized, mm. I realized that there were the parables of Jesus were not truth. They were images of truth. And I realized that the, the core message of the Bible, which is a book that contains both good and evil, just like the book of Genesis, before Adam and Eve ever sinned, what was in the Garden of Eden? A tree of good and evil. It was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. It pre-existed the fall of man. So when I started doing this deep research, I realized the fall of man wasn't what we were told by these people who stole history and rewrote the Old Testament. The fall of man was a reset. It was a disaster. Mm -hmm. Mankind had an awesome super civilization. And then the fall of man was the end of that civilization. We were yep. brainwashed that we failed. And this is, this is what the dungeon programming teaches us it tries to get us to blame ourselves for our own condition and once i realized this everything fell into play i was able to re rewrite i was able to write chronicon put the history of the world together in a perspective that everybody could see that it was a mathematical construct my work is huge and there's been many people who have retyped it edited it checked my math it's still ongoing there's whole websites dedicated to fact checking all my research but my core conclusion despite all these intellectual exercises is that everything circles back to that I'm just a spirit trapped in a shell that belongs to the world I'm in, that belongs to a world that I don't belong in, and that's the source of all my problems. Anytime I start thinking that I am this body, this body that is attached to the construct feeds me more information that causes me problems with this body. But when I phase out of that and I'm feeling real spiritual and I decide that, you know what, I'm not this body. I'm just a spirit. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to experience this. I'm going to meet this person. I'm going to do it. And I let this go and I walk in that way for a while. Then all these beautiful experiences happen. People donate. Some people have donated a lot. Some people have donated very valuable collections of books. Some people have handed me stacks of cash. Things I'm not asking anybody for anything, but it comes to me. It flows because it's energy. Once I reversed my polarity and I quit accepting the dictates of the world, I started dictating to the world exactly who I was. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Love you, my brother. That's what's up. Thank, hey, thanks, my, my good brother Clayton. Appreciate you, man. I'm, I'm allowing uh, who we got here, Mr. Benny Riley. We waiting on your audio, and you good to go, sir. Thank you for joining just real quick before you start i want to say salute to you and uh, our honored guest jason Brashears archaics i gotta dip out because i gotta handle some uh, client work but i uh, definitely want to give you that salute that shout out that respect and of course the respect to our guest jason Brashears archaics everybody make sure you go subscribe super interesting information and shout out to everybody else coming up on the panel i'll be listening in but i gotta go handle some other work but i definitely want to give the proper send-off and respect to everybody involved Thank you very much. Peace out, y'all. And make sure y'all follow AM1 as well. We appreciate you, AM1. Right on, brother. Uh, okay, uh, Mr. Riley ain't got his mic up yet. 
uh, but we got the goddess Zara Tanga. I like that. If you got it, sister. Hey. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. That's what's up. Yeah, um, I just was coming on because I wanted to talk about, um, I know how we were talking about NDEs earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, with Jason, he was talking about near-death experience. And um, I know he said he don't, no, you were saying you don't believe like in um, actually dying and coming back. So like, I know, I feel like that, that, that's what I experienced, you know, and I've been trying to figure this thing out. So that's why I'm bringing it up because like, I didn't go in like with no expectation. Like I didn't even know that was gonna happen. I didn't have no expectation of, you know, like seeing anything or, you know, like angels or God or anything like it just happened, you know, like I went to another realm, you know, like not here, not, you know, like, I got in to see my body, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, and then like, but I telepathically, like I, I know, like I constantly, you know, spoke to my higher self, it's on what I believe in saying, my, my goddess, you know, and that's what, you know, connect to the oversoul and ask like, there was a way if I could use as a vessel, you think, you know, to do the oversoul, you know, thing to do its work, you know, to, could I, you know, be brought back, you know? And if not, if it was my time to go, then I accept that. Just, you know, let my kids know I love them, you know, because I was, uh, I was being suffocated, and basically, I just, I felt my soul leaving my body. Like I, I felt like, well, like I felt like I was descending. Like if I was going down, if that makes sense, you know what I'm saying? Like if I was going down tears, like stairs or something. And then when I came back, like I just shot up like a rocket, and I, and I threw my ex because he's the one suffocating me. And I threw his ass off me like I was because I was all the way down, like flat on my back when he was suffocating me with a pillow. And like I just like, like, you know how to say like, it's like, it's like if somebody threw me, like use my body basically to like throw, throw him off me because he flew into the, to the wall. So like, and I've never experienced nothing like that in my life. So that just tripped me to F out. So like, I've been trying to figure this out, you know, like, so what, what, happened. what is your name? Zaratanga? Yeah, Zaratanga. Okay, check it out. One, I can never deny something that you experienced. It wasn't my experience, it was yours. So uh, I believe 100% that you experienced what you say you experienced. My issue is an opinion. The archaics data, the archaics research is mathematically factual source backs material. But when I talk about things like NDEs and all that, it's merely just opinion. So don't get offended if I, if my opinion is different than yours. I believe, oh, no. I believe 100%. I believe 100% you experienced all that. My issue, though, is that if it was truly a death, I believe that you were very close to death, and that, yes, the spirit can leave the body, and, yes, you can experience other spirits, and there can be some type of interaction and communication. I believe 100% with that. But something about your spirit was still attached to your avatar. There wasn't a, there wasn't a full break. If there had been a full break, you would not be here telling me this story. This is right, right. That's what I agree with. See, I just wanted to like understand that. Like, that's what I'm trying to get. Like, what really happened to me? Like, I believe I've been saying I died and I came back with it because I didn't understand. Like, I was just, you know, that's just how I explained it. But like, I didn't under trying to truly understand. Like, you know what? Yeah. But you, I think like the your information yeah. does help me see a higher, higher perspective of it. You know, and I appreciate that because it does okay. like make, it makes sense. Like, I did. Like, it's like I was going to die, but it wasn't my time, if that makes sense. Like, I wasn't ready to let go. I get it. I've, I've, 
heard I've heard your situation plenty of times. I want to thank you for sharing that, my sister. I appreciate you. And I'm gonna go ahead and we got we got some who who else did I just allow on here? That's uh JT, my back J like if I was going down, if that makes sense, you know what I'm saying? Like if I was going down tears and stairs or something. And then when I came back, like I just shot up like a rocket and I and I threw my ex because he's the one suffocating me. And I threw his ass off me like I was because I was all the way down, like flat on my back when he was suffocating me with a pillow. And like I just like, like, you know how to say like, it's like, it's like if somebody threw me, like use my body basically to like throw, throw him off me because he flew into the, to the wall. So like, and I've never experienced nothing like that in my life. So that just tripped me the F out. So like, I've been trying to figure this out, you know, like, what is your name? Zaratanga? Yeah, Zaratanga. Okay, check it out. One, I can never deny something that you experienced. It wasn't my experience, it was yours. So uh, I believe 100% that you experienced what you say you experienced. My issue is an opinion. The archaics data, the archaics research is mathematically factual source-backed material. But when I talk about things like NDEs and all that, it's merely just opinion. So don't get offended if if my opinion is different than yours. I believe, oh, no. I believe 100%. I believe 100% you experienced all that. My issue, though, is that if it was truly a death, I believe that you were very close to death, and that, yes, the spirit can leave the body, and, yes, you can experience other spirits, and there can be some type of interaction and communication. I believe 100% with that. But something about your spirit was still attached to your avatar. There wasn't a, there wasn't a full break. If there had been a full break, you would not be here telling me this story. This is right, right. right. That's what I agree with. See, I just wanted to like understand that. Like, That's what I'm trying to get. Like, what really happened to me? Like, I I was, I've been saying I died and I came back, but it's because I didn't understand. Like, I was just, you know, that's just how I explained it. But like, I didn't understand. Trying to truly understand, like, you know, what. Yeah. But you, I think like so your information yeah. does help me see a higher, higher perspective of it. You know, and I appreciate that because it does okay. like make it makes sense. Like, I did. Like, it's like I was going to die, but it wasn't my time, if that makes sense. Like, I wasn't ready to let go. I've, I've heard I've heard your situation plenty of times. I want to thank you for sharing that, my sister. I appreciate you. And I'm going to go ahead and we got we got some. Who, who else did I just allow on here? That's uh, JT. My bad. JT, you got it, my brother. How you doing? Yeah, salutes to the sister, man. Young Q, you and JT, I've just added both of y'all. So whichever one of y'all um you first, that's fine. Salutes. Okay, I ain't got time for that uh, oh, today, man. The word, we, 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 yeah, Hello? how you doing, brother? You got it. You got it, man. You know, you know, yeah, I just don't want to go out of turn or whatever. Nah, shit, I'm definitely like fucking with all of the knowledge that y'all talking about and kicking them to um to to bro that's really been. Kicking a lot on understanding, like you said, the the transitions from each break period or each reset. That shit is really crucial to us understanding how all of this operation works. And it just makes us wonder, like he said, when you get to this point, how farther do we go to the point where we're experiencing a reset ourselves to the point where they know, like you said, they got to get us the fuck up out of here because it's causing too much ruckus to the status quo or to the whole system at hand where is our endpoint or what's the what's the time what's the time uh what's the time frame on this cycle that we've seen happen a whole bunch of times 
whether it's been biblically or whatever. Okay, I get you. Yeah. All right, this uh, who is that? Young quality. Young, yeah. Like you, listen. Okay, in the chronology that's promoted in archaics, which is very, very well supported, in that chronology, the last year that a soul can actually make an escape is the year 2070. The harvest, the harvest began in 1902. Since 1902, those who have awakened have not needed to come back. Some have, some have continued so they can be volunteers, so they can be shepherds and, and, and find others who are of like mind that they can wake up and, and possibly get them to make their exit as well. There are volunteers here, but many since 1902 have stopped. And since 1902, the evidence of the harvest is everywhere. World, the first thing that happened right after 1902 was a worldwide plague. After that, it was World War One. Then the plagues between World War One and World War Two. Then World War Two. The harvest is real. Souls are exiting. They are leaving. And all the other souls that have ever lived in every other time period are making their entrance one final time since 1902. They couldn't all be here at the same time. So all these wars were necessary. These these diseases were necessary to get to get this, this is the end the end of the road for them. They their souls are sequestered, waiting waiting for exodus. They are done here. I believe some of us volunteered to come back or to stay until the final year, but. 2070 will be the last time. Remember, in the book of Revelations, there's a very obscure statement, but it's very real. It, to him to him that is good, let him be good still. To him that is evil, let him be evil still. Meaning that there's a period in the middle of the apocalypse when choice will be taken away. You are going to enter the next phase exactly as you are when you entered it. You will not change. There will be no fundamental changes. There will be no growth. There will be no escape for anybody who passes that threshold. You're going, you're going to be that. So 27, 2070 is that is that period. 2070 happens to be divisible by 138 as well, but it's not a part of the Phoenix phenomenon. Uh, it's 414 times 5. It's a very in interesting number, and in cross-calendrical parallels, it comes up everywhere in world history where, where unusually this ha had happened. But it's not something I really talk about on my channel because it's so far in the future. Right now, tonight, I'm just getting to 2052. I've already got a whole playlist of 82 videos about 2040, and I've got about another 60 videos about 2046. Nemesis X object after Phoenix. But when it comes to the dark satellite, this is like only my third video out of 500 videos. And this one, I'm going deep. So 2070 is still a little further. I haven't got to that. I haven't done any videos about it. You're actually hearing this for the first time. Yeah, thank, thank you uh, for that. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. That was a damn good answer. My bad, brother. Go ahead. No, I was saying thank you, Q, for that uh, good question, man. I appreciate all the questions from the callers. Salutes to y'all. We're going to keep them coming, and we got my brother Damian Banks. You ready for it? Yes, sir. Can y'all hear me loud, sir? Yep. Hey, what's up, Sanchez, man? Hey, pardon me for not meeting my wife when I came on the panel. I know better than that. But, uh, hey, this crazy. Hey, excuse me for my excitement, man. But to have Arcade and Sanchez together is a fucking moment in history right. because I'm like, like for real, man. I've been following Tetris since day one, since his comedy days. But Arcades, I got on Arcades like a year ago, and he just blew my mind with everything. He probably don't know me because I'm scared of shadows, but 
But man, I'm always, I'm always there. My, I'm Damian Banks, man. But let's go ahead and move forward. What I want to say is, um, I love both of y'all and the panel, everybody. But my question, I got two, I got two kind of questions. Okay. So it's like, it's like once you woke, you stay woke, and you keep getting woke. Like the rich keep getting richer, and the poor keep getting poorer. And y'all was talking about like a fourth in a row, where it seemed like two different. Y'all had to choose. It was like a pack you can choose. And in the last like three years, I'm doing like so much suffering to my physical body. Like I woke up with a lung collapse and all this shit. And I want to know because every time I heard about an awakened person, they had some suffering and pain in they in their life. Some kind of some kind of pain they went through. And the people that hasn't, because I, I can see these people, they kind of carry on like the material world. They don't, I don't know if pain and suffering come with awakening. And that's my first question. Okay, well. Now, now I know what you've been through, Arcade. You know what I'm saying? I know yeah. about your bite. And you make sure you tell Matt I love him too. All right. And, uh, well, yeah. So, as far as, as far as somebody who is awakened, listen, we're dealing with programming. And if you have truly awakened and divorced yourself from, from the collective and mainstream media news actually makes you nauseous or you laugh at it, it's like, oh my God, it's so silly. If you've actually reached that point, it's like Frederick Nietzsche said over a hundred years ago, when a matter becomes clear, it ceases to concern us. There is no way you can undo what you've done if you have broke if you have broke free from that programming you can't you can't undo that you've awakened you've become a problem to the construct this is why in archaics i call those who follow archaics errants because from the perspective of the construct you're a problem you're in error. You're not following the protocols. You're not subject to dungeon programming. Negative default programming has no effect on you. Therefore, you must be excised from the program. And there's a set time when that happens. It's in, in, the, in all the eschatology, it's called the Exodus. The Exodus story is, a, is the story of a people who are removed from a world they do not belong in. The Exodus story has been painted in real simplistic cultural terms so that we can read it as a story in the Bible. But the actual message is deeper than that, and it's describing souls that don't belong in Egypt. This is why the wickedness of the world in the book of Revelation is not called the world, it's called Egypt. That's exactly what the world is called in Revelation. And it's not talking about the real Egypt. Because it's not talking about an escape from, from a landmass. It's yeah. talking about an exodus from the construct. The biblical material is deep. But to, the, but to the materialist mind, they're going to interpret all these things in a material fashion. As it's, and they're going to look for historical evidence that these things actually happened. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's absolute food. And when you feed on it, you realize all the answers are there. We've just been interpreting them wrong. wrong. We've, we've been letting our avatar understand the biblical material and not our spirit. There's a huge difference. You can't undo the programming. Once you're awake, it's time to be ejected. You're no longer welcome here. Yo. 
And it's just so crazy how so much of what you teach, I'm in agreement with, with no pushback at all. And um, when you say we can get Mandela without even knowing it, like Berenstein, Berenstein concept, right? If if you think if you think about it, right? Yeah, when you guys come on, try to remain mute. So when you think about it, right, in a computer program, if you copy a file, you can, the computer. Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Well, we, can, is, uh, we, we can hear you, Benny. We, we can hear you loud and clear. You can, can you, hear, oh, you can't hear me? Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? I just barely can't hear you, yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, uh, cool. who says that we so, can't do something new under the sun? This is my question. And uh, why would they say that? Why, why can't we, if we're this powerful, like you, uh, and I know we are, but uh, why can't we do something? Okay. It's locked in why we can't do something new under the sun. That's my question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. And I think I was going to kind of ask that too. So we'll combine me and uh, Benny's thing here. Cause I was going to talk about how like in a computer program, when you copy some, the computer got to alter it. It can't have you name it the same thing as what you copied it from. So that explain like Berenstain, Berenstain, these slight little edits that it had to make when it's uh, doing that. And then when he say, why there's nothing new under a, a sun is because I think um that was deep. He didn't hear he wasn't on here, but what you just explained, Jason, can you go back into that when we was like why they saying how history repeat itself and we can't do nothing new if it's just a cycles and a loop. You could just keep going in circles in this construct if that's the Saturn matrix. But uh yeah, Jason, you got it. Okay, so any construct that has to govern over multiple variables is always going to have a checks and balances system. This checks and balances system is the Phoenix phenomenon. It allows the program every 138 years to ascertain the level of maturity of a culture, the direction they're moving in, how they're interacting with other cultures. Are they going to be a threat? Are there any individuals in that culture who are at genius level, who are understanding uh, uh, the construct, and li like the Tower of Babel story, when evidently a genius rose up among the Babylonians and knew that they were in a construct and decided to to propose to the government in Babylon and the Babylonians agreed and they started building a structure. Now the primitive version of the story is that it was the Tower of Babel. But in a more sophisticated in a more sophisticated frame of reference, we're dealing with an architectural project that was being built that was so sophisticated that the gods themselves in the narrative of the book of Genesis were actually alarmed. And they came and looked down on humans building the construct, and they said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, and by virtue of imagination, there is nothing that he will not be able to accomplish. This means the construct understood that humans had figured out a way to collapse the construct. There's no other thing that they could have done with that structure. Now, what I'm talking about is the function of the Great Pyramid. But that's not what the Tower of Babel is conveying, because it's a cover story. The real story was the was the the building of the Great Pyramid, and it wasn't finished. The gods prevented that. They made sure it wasn't finished. The capstone's not there. So the uh, uh, to answer to answer your question, 
to answer Benny, Benny's question, on a personal level, we can always do new things. There is always that maverick individual in every community who seems to never get in trouble, always has their own way, do, do does what they want. Every neighborhood knows an individual like this. Somebody who always gets their way, things never go wrong for them, they're always happy, and they don't give a damn about the rules. Listen, these individuals have tapped into the field. They, they understand the rules of the construct. The more you obey the dictates of the construct, the more the construct is going to create dictates that govern your life. The more, and pardon my French, but the more you exhibit a don't give a fuck attitude, the more the construct is going to create for you a world where you'll never have to worry about those constraints. Mm, you know what's so deep about that? Jesus was so rebellious. And because of that, they had to put him out. They had to get rid of him. a portal open up in the sky. This whole thing about this rebirth, this resurrection, you know what I'm saying, about the construct because you just outgrew it. You rebelled against it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is real. I resonate with all of this. Let's go to uh, JT. Then we got to go to my brother Chris Foss. And then, Masterpiece, I see your hand as well, and we'll rotate everybody. Thank y'all for joining. Word. Much love. Appreciation as always, son. It's uh,